Hey, Chapeau! What's going on? Oh, we stupendous. What brings you into work today? It is Christmas break, you know. Did you forget something at the office? Wait, what? No, that's not it. Come on, Chapo. Today's the day the future Hall of Famer is supposed to be scheduled to to appear at the show studios. You know, Mr. Hostile, Lethal, and Revenge. Uh, come again, Stupendous. I promise you that Long Jeanza has never said anything about hostility, lethal, or revenge. Wait a, just a second, Chapo. I, I know it's been a long time since I've heard or seen anything about Long Jeanza. But I assure you, he was all about being hostile to all opposed him. And he even won. He's the only one claiming that he had lethal aggression. And of course, whenever anybody besmirched his good name, look out for some classic Jeanza revenge. Trebo, stupendous. It is very true that that is the very essence of Longina's character. However, that was not his motto. Well, whoa. I guess it would seem that my memories are a little clouded. You know, it has been uh, some time since. Anyways, uh, Chapeau, I do feel. I feel I know what his motto actually is, if you come to think of it, for just a few moments. That is formidable, stupendous. I look forward to what gem your memory is about to bring up for my wonderful amusement. Whoa! Hold your horses, Chapeau. What are you saying, Chapeau? Oh. Oh, I apologize, Stupendous. What I was trying to say was, carry on. You have my full attention. Very well, Chapo. The HLR in Long Jeans' motto are hangry because he was mad hungry for success. Lethargic because all the critics holding him back and regret for all the non-sayers who, who underestimated him. Nailed it, right, Chapo? Oh, exactly, please, stupendous. Long Jr. was the thugonomics of science. He was all about being helpful, loving, and of course, responsible for all his fans. Well, ooh, that's embarrassing. They'll just not talk about that during uh, that doozy when you know, I funny talked to Long Jeanza personally. Oh boy. Oh, uh, zoot. I'm afraid I have some very unfortunate Christmas news for you, Stupendous. Long Jeanza's flight was cancelled due to the terrible weather conditions. Oh, so what you're saying is Long Jeanza is not here today? No, I'm all about that HLR. Wait a second. You're all about that uh, helpful, loving, responsible? No, I'm all hostile and lethal and full of revenge.
And a one, and a two, and a one, two, three. Lip really loves wrestling. He likes to talk about it too. If you like to watch wrestling as he do, come and join us on the wrestling show. On the wrestling show. On the wrestling show. show to take a very cynical look back at representing the WWE and live uh, from the Wells Fargo Arena in uh, Des Moines, Iowa. It's Monday Night Raw, air date December 19th. 2022. This episode is The Road to the Royal Rumble. Let's go. Wilbo, Wilbo, welcome to season five of the Wrestling Show Listener. I'm the Paisley Wood. Tonight we're going to start our podcast off with a very cynical review slash a look back at the latest tapings of the Monday Night Raw. But before we get into the meat of the show, first a quick shout out to the non-competitors, the foundation of the show, you know, now representing the authority figure. It's Adam Pierce. Next. Scanning all the pre-match interviews and all the backstage scoops. They are the team of Kathy Kelly and Byron Saxton. And of course, least we forget, the commentary crew. The play-by-play guys, the hosts. And I even call them the narrators of the whole show. They are the team of Mr. Reliable, Corey Graves and uh, Michael Cole number two. With the accent, Kevin Patrick. Now, without any further kadoos, let's get on with the show. Now, this show, I guess, technically gets kicked off with uh, Paul Heyman and uh, Roman Reigns welcoming everybody to Monday Night Raw. Now, it's funny that it is a taped, a pre-taped um, segment. Now, I'm looking at the weather. I'm like, wow, is Roman Reigns actually at Monday Night Raw tonight? Could he actually be there? Well, according to where he's at, seeing where he's at, uh, it looks like he's in the same place as he was on Friday. He's at the, uh, looks like he's at the Allstate Arena in Chicago. In Chicago. So, yeah, Roman Reigns. Again, again, not at Monday Night Raw. It's a shameful. It's very shameful. Very shameful indeed. Yeah, Roman, he really shouldn't be representing any any championship right now. He shows up so, so... Okay, enough with my rant. I mean, I, I personally don't think Roman Reigns should hold any titles right now. It should be stripped or he should be made to... <sighs> it's frustrating to see a champion that's not even showing up for part-time hours. He's like part-time, part-time for the WWE. Roman Reigns, once upon a time, used to show up to work and show up and show off. First man there, last man leave. You know, he was a champion to be respected and he was one of the greatest of all time. Somehow, something happened. Is he injured? He barely fights. He fights on his own time. Four times a year, maybe. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Okay. Die tribe over what happened in the show. Now, 
with Roman Reigns not there, somebody has to pick up the, the bloodline slack. Somebody has to. And today on Raw, it is the Usos. And the Usos have every right to be in Raw because they are the Raw Tag Team Champions as well as SmackDown, so they have every right to be there. And they're there with the uh, Solo Sokoa and Sami Zayn, or Sami Uso. I like Sami Uso, I don't know why I say it like that. And they're taking, they're just beating everybody up that they see backstage and starting with Mustafa Ali. He gets the old beatings. Now, I'm not sure why they're doing that. You know, uh, uh, I mean, they're not taking over anything, but they belong there. They don't, they're not really taking over anything. You know, I mean, they're showing up to work. Same, although Solo and Sammy, they uh, they are SmackDown guys, like I say. But anyways, now this whole thing with the uh, Usos beating people up backstage is going to be uh, throughout to the mat to the night. So after they beat up, you know, um, Mustafa, they move on and they beat up uh, uh, Andre Chase. That's right from Chase U from uh, NXT. He's getting beat up backstage too on Raw. So yeah, he's back there just to get some, I don't know, he's getting beats up as well. He gets the beats up as well. But in the ring now, we got ourselves a uh, a tag team match in the making. Coming up, it's uh, the Street Profits, Andrew Dawkins, Montez Ford, with Akira Tazawa by their side now. Um, I don't know why. Why is this a team? It is a team. Uh, last week, Akira Tozawa had a. Uh, it was a triple threat. Uh, no, six man tag last week. Akira Tozawa got pinned, but uh, yeah, he's with the Street Profits. Uh, somehow they're together. I don't know why, or is there any rhyme to re- or any reason to this uh, this alliance? I don't know. I don't know. But the Street Profits are fighting the Judgment Day today, and representing Judgment Day are Damien Priest and Finn Balor, and. Accompanying Finn Balor and uh, Damon Priest are Rhea Ripley and Dominic Mysterio. It's true. Now I think this: the tag teams, tag team matches in the WWE, they have tag ropes, but um, the referees, when the referee, when the ropes aren't used, the referees don't care. They don't care. Although it's a the, the the wrestlers do sometimes when they usually when they forget to use the ropes when they're tagging the referees don't care so uh with that said this match is no difference um they hold the ropes when they remember and they uh when they don't the referees don't care <clears throat> and with that said what happened in the actual match and not the the tag rope situations a dude okay now this was a fun match was indeed fun uh it's um four competitors in there which are very highly skilled but it ended like this the end sequence let's go to the end sequence it was uh, finn balor and uh, montez ford in the ring finn balor hitting montez ford with the uh missile drop kick dropping montez ford into the corner you know the ring hitting the turnbuckles dropping down like heap and then here's where things get all hairy and hectic finn balor goes for the coup de gras but on his side there, it's Akira Tozawa running some interference. And by running some interference, Akira grabs a cup, uh, a red solo cup, and charges towards uh, Rhea Ripley and Dominic Mysterio. And then, with a, an act of defiance, he splashes the contents of the cup into uh, Dominic Mysterio's face. Clearly, it was water. But Corey Graves insists it's anything but water. Yes, it was uh, 
some vinegar in there. Really tough on your eyes. Anyways, Finn Balor is out there like, oh, what are you doing out there? Finn are going to get you. So in the ring, it's uh, Montez Ford. He figures, ah, ah I'm going to take my turn, take my, uh, take my shot. And Montez does with the classic schoolboy roll-up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Xavier Woods would call it, no, he wouldn't call it anything. He has a, he takes an inside cradle as a Xavier Woods move. Anyways, uh, schoolboy roll-up, uh, it is uh, Montez Ford with a big victory over Finn Balor. And the match was like nine plus minutes, which was a, a respectable length match in my opinion. Now. After the match is done, said and done, Montez Ford, Angel Dawkins, and Kira Tazawa are leaving to go to back to just, like, uh, I guess, uh, celebrate after victory. They're leaving anyways. But, however, it is uh, Rhea Ripley catches up to them and turns uh, Akira Tazawa around. And then, uh, with her opinion, she does not like how she splashed that water on her on her uh, boy's uh, a face. Dominic got a splash full of water and, De- and Rhea Ripley's like, no, my ego's hurt. So she punches Akira Tazawa square on her face and challenges Akira to a match. Now, the challenge of the match is one thing, but the second thing is this. The WWE, they haven't had a uh, mix mixed match in uh, forever they never really believed in uh, um, in, um, intergender uh, matches Um, but however because now when they did have intergender matches it was never like a tag team matches they'd have intergender tag team matches but whenever uh, they had those matches it will always be um, the guy fighting the guy and the girl fighting the girl even though if, if the one tag is made on one side and the other side wasn't made, it will always be an automatic switch. So it would never be guy versus the girl. But however, could this be turning over a new leaf? Could this be the new WWE? Could this be the start of the new intergender matches? Or could it just be that Rhea Ripley has no, no, nobody to uh, fight against? There's no competitors here tonight for Rhea Ripley. Could be either one. I'm thinking... I'm thinking tonight, um, their roster is very thin that showed up to work. So, uh, yeah. Akira's there. Uh, let's throw him to the wolves. And the wolf being Rhea Ripley. So, the match does take place. It was an interesting match. Now, here's what I think. Rhea Ripley, she is a top-notch competitor. Period. Her matches that she has, um, this uh, that's when she return have been absolute slobber knockers. They've been great. You know, her against uh, Roxanne Perez, yeah, a fantastic. Um, now, here's the thing. This match, it was it was interesting. It was weird. Things happened to Akira Tozawa. He's a great competitor. He's a great competitor. I mean, the, the tag team match he had last week was he showed off, you know? He showed up. He lost, though. But this week, something was just off. Um, not just a match. Now, the match was this. Uh, Akira Tozawa has no problems agreeing to a match against uh, Rhea Ripley. No problems with uh, trying to throw submission holds on or throwing Rhea Ripley in general. But when it comes down to an actual punching and kicks to Rhea Ripley, he was like, I don't know about that. Anything else goes. Uh, but this, it's just weird. But it gets weirder because Akira Tozawa, he doesn't seem like his heart's into it or something like that. He's just not, something's gone wrong. Next situation is this. Akira is thrown into the corner. Rhea Ripley charges in after him. Here's this move. The move is basically like a float over. 
where uh, the cheap way of doing it is the way I would do it. It's like uh, you when you hit the corner, nope, you know, you uh, you jump onto the first set of ropes and then the springboard yourself up and so you can float over your opponent when they dive in towards uh, the ring post and smash you there. So it's a good avoidance. But however, the hard way to do it is straight up when you hit the corner and then jump up straight up without hitting the ropes. That is difficult. Now Akira Tozawa here. He decides to go for the cheap way and he couldn't even get over there. He, something, he just fumbles the whole damn move. Akira to, uh, Rhea Ripley runs directly into his ass. Just thump. So ridiculous. And the end of that sequence was uh, a, uh, what's that? A uh, sunset roll, sunset flip roll, getting uh, Rhea Ripley down for two count. Rhea Ripley out. Now, it also gets weirder from there. I think uh, Rhea throws Akira to the ropes. He jumps, comes back there, and it's supposed to be like a pop-up. Um, Rhea, Rhea tries to pop up uh, Akira over top of his head. Akira, it doesn't seem like he, uh, he he's trying at all. He's like, expecting Rhea to do all the work because he does not post on Rhea's shoulders at all. He makes no attempt, and it fails big because uh, Akira Tozawa does not clear uh, Rhea's head and he like uh, if they tum he tumbles down to the ground he makes uh, not himself look stupid but uh, it makes the whole situation look just amateur so Akira good work good work you buffoon okay anyways enough with the, the schmuck talk it gets worse from there uh, listener it gets worse listener um, this is where Rhea Ripley she goes for a powerbomb attempt now this powerbomb attempt was lame um I'm not sure. Uh, Kira didn't, could not sit on her shoulders, uh, you know, crotch against her face. I guess that couldn't be done. Uh, it wasn't done. So he ends up being like a, a, a dead fish. He's like flopping around like a dead fish. Akira's there and just flops down again. Rhea Ripley, he's, she's got to work overtime. So she's got to get him in and whip him back upwards. He's gotta, she's got to use momentum and swing him back upwards. And she does. She manages to do that. A lot of work with uh, a lame competitor. It's it's insane. It's insane. I don't know what Akira is doing. But she ends up muscling Akira back up to powerbomb position where Akira takes that position and then he, uh, with the uh, Hurricanrana, you know, whips Rhea Ripley, takes a nice front roll and she slides out of the ring. Now the referee is checking on Rhea Ripley, like makes just looking right out there. Does not notice anything else. Uh, Akira Tozawa decides maybe he can go for a tope suicida. He hits the ropes there, and of course Finn Balor and Damien Priest are at that side where he hits the ropes, and Finn Balor grabs the old leg and uh, picks the leg behind the ref's back. Akira falls down on his face. Ref's like, "What happened?" And this is where the street profits decide, "Hey, we're gonna help our friend." And then they go for a double tope suicida over the top rope and they squash both Damien Priest and uh, Finn Balor. Now, although it did look like uh, Montez Ford, he got the worst end of it on uh, Finn Balor. It looks like he got uh, torture rack. He fell right onto a torture rack. He was, whew. I hope uh, it's, you know, Montez is okay after that because it looked like it could have really have hurt the old baccaroonie. The baccaroonie, the old spinal cordy. Anyways, with that, uh, we go back into the ring. Ikira Tozawa, he runs into a riptide, but however, he counters riptide. He flips over, he, uh, and lands on his feet. Rhea Ripley decides to go for a spear, 
but uh, Akira Dozawa, like a matadori, moves out of side, re Ripley spears the corner post. Now, this is where it gets, of course, it gets interesting still. Uh, Dominic Mysterio decides to jump on the apron to cheer on Rhea Ripley. But uh, Kira Tazawa wouldn't have any of it. He runs over and with a big uh, pump kick, knocks off Dominic off the ring apron. And he turns his attention back to Rhea Ripley. Decides, well, she ran herself into the ring post. That's it. I'm going to finish the match off. So he goes on the top rope and goes for his patented Santon Bomb. He got some insane height. He's at least uh, 20 feet in the air. He was uh, up there in the clouds. A beautiful move. However, Rhea Ripley moves. Akira Tozawa hits hard on the ground. Rhea Ripley then composes herself, gets uh, Akira Tozawa into the riptide, and then it is over. Roughly a five-minute match. And Rhea Ripley wins. So, like I say, this opened up the floodgates of... uh, intergender matches or is it just the fact that uh, it's a one-time thing because there's just straight up not enough women on the at uh, the card at the arena at the wells fargo arena to actually have another match regardless regardless we move on now with uh with kathy kelly and adam pierce talking about uh, bobby lashley now, Bobby Lashley last week was fired, was a fired from Adam Pierce for putting his hands on a referee for the second time. But however, he is not really fired. He has only been suspended with pay, I believe a uh, double pay. So anyways, he gets interfered with the MVP comes in there. I'm not sure what he needs to talk about. He almost is nowhere in, in sight. Where's Amos? Where, oh, where is a big old giant? Nowhere to be seen. And then a referee comes in there. He's worried as all heck. He gets Adam Pierce's attention. And it's been another attack. The Usos and Sami Zayn and beat up three more people, apparently. Or they're just good at acting. Of course, they're just acting. Dolph Ziggler, oh, acting school, help me do the scene, oh, I'm hurt, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. So it's Dolph Ziggler back there, and you know, um, pretending he's hurt, and it's uh, Cedric Alexander and uh, Shelton Benjamin, finally, finally getting some TV time, wow, mm-hmm, never thought you'd see them again, but yeah, it's ridiculous. So next we go into the ring. It's a tag team match yet again. Now it's uh, the match between the the original club, Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows with AJ Styles and Mia Yim at their side. Versus the Alpha Academy, Chad Gabler and Otis. Remember, Chad Gabler, it rhymes with tabla. Now, here's the thing. This match, uh, it's like shocking. Uh, You would think these two tag teams, especially the OC, would uh, be a stickler for grabbing that tag rope, you know, and making it a legitimate tag, uh, you know, clean tag team match. But no, it is the Alpha Academy keeping it clean with the, with the tags. It's true. Um, because right off the bat, you know, you have Luke Gallows grabbing the tag rope, right? I'm grabbing the tag rope. I'm ready for a tag. Tag me in. And then Carl Anderson goes for the hot tag, and then um, Luke Gallows lets go of that rope. 
lets go of the rope and then reaches for the tag with that rope that was creepily holding the tag rope. It makes, it makes no sense. I think the referee should step in right then and there's a no tag. I'm sorry, what? You weren't holding the tag rope. Hold the tag rope, okay? Don't make me look so stupid. Anyways. Let's not hark on the tag rope situation any longer on this match, okay? Okay. So we go to the end, end of the sequence here. We all know who's going to win this match, and it's not going to be the uh, Alpha Academy. They are straight up jobbers. Now, they did have a moment in the end where uh, it's an assisted world's strongest slam. It's uh, four point, or Otis tags in Chad Gabla. And Otis uh, grabs uh, Luke, uh, Luke Gallows for the world's strongest slam. Chad Gable jumps off the ropes and lands on his back, so they get an extra 150 pounds of uh, damage on that. Because <laughs> uh, Chad Gable's 150 pounds. <laughs> he's not 150 pounds, he's more than that. Maybe 200 pounds. Anyways, according, uh, but to uh, Otis is like uh, close to maybe 500. Anyways, they go for a pin. Chad Gable goes for the pin. But here's the end sequence here. Um, Carl Anderson comes in there and then hiya the hiya he breaks up the pin. Otis comes in there like no you don't and then he reels up and he throws Carl Anderson to the ring post area the the corner of the ring and then follows up with himself and makes himself into a human torpedo and then smashes um, shoulder first he smashes himself shoulder first like usual he pulls in Otis. Um, Otis throws himself right into the corner post and knocks himself out silly. Flies out of the ring and he's out of the match for the rest of the duration of the match. Inside the match, um, well, eventually, it's a two-on-one. Uh, uh, Luke Gallows starts, uh, gets the best out of uh, Chad Gable. There's one-on-one, Luke Gallows, Chad Gable. And then it's uh, Luke Gallows gets uh, tags in Carl Anderson. Uh, a non-rope tag, by the way. And then they get the magic killer on Chad Gabla. And a one, two, three, a one, a two, a one, two, three. Carl Anderson gets the victory. But after that, we got ourselves a surprise. You know, who runs the place? Why? The Usos, Jimmy Uso, Jay Uso, and Sami Zayn. Where is Solo Sokoa at? Nowhere there. Nowhere there. So, uh, it's three on, and wow, they attack the OC, and it's uh, Mia Yim. She sees them, and she runs away like a, a like a thief in the night. She wants no part of Sami Zayn or the Usos. Usos eventually take the ring, and they're the ones, they belong there. I don't know why, but uh, it seems Adam Pierce decided that, hey, what are you guys doing here? You guys shouldn't be here. Get out of the ring. He, I'm like, what? Um, don't you know who the champions of the uh, Monday Night Raw are? They are the Usos. Hello. They belong there. That's their show. They run the show. They're the champions. They're the faces of the champions doing what they're supposed to do. But however, they're kicked out of there. Yeah, out of here. While they're leaving, I guess uh, AJ Styles gets some redemption, a little bit of redemption by attacking, personally attacking Sami Zayn. It's true. Now they're separated, but eventually Adam Pierce has a, a talk, a face-to-face, -face, a real a real situation, you know? He talks to uh, 
AJ Styles, then they set up a match. It will be AJ Styles versus Sami Zayn. And my goodness, I'm looking forward to that. That is a top tier match. It is a main event match, no doubt. And speaking of no doubts, we got ourselves a, a little one-on-one. -on -one. Um, Byron Saxton, a sit down. This is a sit down with Byron Saxton. Um, now he sits down with the, the Raw Women's Champion, uh, Bianca Belair and her opponent, Alexa Bliss. Now, apparently last Monday, um, Alexa Bliss, she beat uh, Bailey in that match for number one's contender for uh, um, Bianca Belair's uh, world title. And when Bianca came in the ring there to congratulate her, it was the uh, Bray Wyatt uh, Firefly flashes on the screen. And then next, you know what? She, Alexa Bliss throws uh, Bianca Belair into the uh, Sister Abigail, but doesn't go through with it. So this was like, what's up with that? What's up with that? So basically, it's uh, Alexa Bliss talks about her, her tormented history with uh, Bray Wyatt. You know, uh, taking her in, turning to a dark mistress of death, and then leaving her to her own devices. What is Alexa Bliss to do but get advice from a doll? From a doll! But surprisingly, Lily's been phased out of this. No Lily to be seen. Thank goodness. But I guess uh, Alexa Bliss still has the dark side. Now, before the interview's over, actually, when the interview's over and before they all leave, Alexa Bliss grabs the vase from the table and smashes it over top of uh, Bianca Belair's head. That's a nice how to do. So we all know it was a nice sugar glass vase, but uh, hey, it was a sentiment that counted. Now, here we go. So that builds up that, uh, I'm pretty sure, uh, Alexa Bliss uh, will lose to Bianca Belair. But you'll never know this is wrestling and uh, anything can happen because I say that because Alexa Bliss and Bianca Belair, it's like the She-Hulk before and after the transformation. You know, it's that, that much of a difference in size. It's like regular person versus the She-Hulk. Okay, anyways, our next match, it is a, a raw happy holidays match. It is a winner takes all ladder match between Dexter Loomis and The Miz. And who ta what takes what? There are two bags of money ready to be taken, ready to be claimed. Now, this match was a lot of fun. It was weird, interesting, but entertaining. This was an entertaining match. The Miz knows how to put on an entertaining match. He's a, he's a, a modern day wrestler. I mean, uh, it's what it is. It's entertaining and athletic at the same time. So they had a spot with a, a ladder with it, like the uh, the old Charlie Chapman days where he Dexter sets up a ladder. Miz is sitting on a corner there and uh, Dexter pushes the ladder over and it falls inches from its cr crushing its gonads. That's right. But however, they have a while staring each other down and then uh, Dexter drop kicks the ladder into Miz's gonads. Now, this match was taking place mostly on top of a ladder reaching for the two briefcases. So many times and many long episodes, they're fighting one-on-one -on -one for those um, brief, for those uh, big sacks of money. A lot of matches with that. Now, The Miz did try to get the money. He had his hands on the uh, the clamp, the clasp, 
and pulling the money out. But however, Dexter Loomis pulls him off. And somehow, somehow they fight outside. Wait, well, no, somehow they fight outside because they, they take the fight out. But somehow the Miz gets the Dexter down and then he ends up getting Dexter inside uh, ladders. Like he's been scissored inside ladder, in, in, inside a ladder. And then he gets a whole bunch of other stuff, another ladder stack. He tries to stack a whole bunch of garbage inside on top of the ladder where Dexter is scissored inside the ladder. Now, this is where, of course, the Miz could have easily have won. This is where it could have been over. Right then and there, Dexter's inside this whole pile of rubbish. He can't move, at least for a good amount of time. Miz could have easily gone up the ladder, climbed up the ladder and got the briefcase. Easy. Got the bags of money. But nope. This is where it gets stretched out for no apparent reason. No apparent reason. Well, there's a reason. But let's go. He stretches out by this. After that, Miz decides to take on Johnny Gargano. He starts to beat up Johnny Gargano. Just like, yeah, taking a lot of time to beat up Johnny Gargano. Um, then he grabs a, a ladder and then takes Johnny Gargano out of the game by smashing him in the face. Johnny Gargano takes a bump, a dumped over top the uh, barricade into the crowd. That's over for Johnny Gargano. Now it gets more interesting because Miz then focuses attention onto what's happened to uh, Dexter Loomis. Dexter has gotten out of the big pile of garbage, the ladders and uh, uh, chairs. But Dexter Loomis gets the Miz and with the insiguri, throws him down. You know? And then, of course, Dexter puts the Miz on top of the commentating table, climbs up a ladder, and takes some time to look around, you know, just taking in the moment. And then he decides to throw himself off with a leg drop. Miz escapes with the skin, with the skin of his chinny chin chin. And this is where it gets very, it just matches just weird. It was fun, but it was just, did not, not make much sense. You would think this is it again. Once again, Dex Loomis has just put himself out. Miz could go in the ring there and climb the rope, climb the ladder and uh, grab the briefcase. And that he did try to do. But somehow, somehow, Dex Loomis meets him up on the top of the ladder, pushes Miz off the ladder and going for the belt himself, going for the money himself. Now, I find that strange because that was a big move. I mean, it seems like it never happened you know it's just like oh it's just a, a throwaway thing a throwaway move a massive massive spot which meant nothing in the long run didn't hurt dexter at all to at the least bit so dexter of course his chance to win all the money and the match now this is where it gets interesting now i'm not sure where tomaso champa is these days is chamasa tomaso champa even with the wwe you know, has he been released? Because this is the Mrs. This is the Mrs. Mo. Every every tag team partner the Miz has been paired with, eventually is released by the WWE. Every single one of them. Now, now with that said, we got ourselves. Uh, while Dex Loomis is reaching for those uh, bags of money, it is we got ourselves an interferer, someone coming in and grabbing Dexter Loomis's leg. Who could it be? Why? It is uh, our very own uh, Bronson Reed. Bronson Reed uh, from the, I believe, NXT um, UK. From NXT UK. Um, now, back in to the thing. He's a huge guy, huge guy. But he's, he pulls off Dexter, Dexter Loomis. He crushes him onto the ground. And then 
Going off the top rope, he gives Dex Loomis a massive splash. Now that puts out Dex Loomis for the rest of the match. That's it for Dex Loomis. Now what's going to happen with the, the Miz? Why? The Miz is helped up by Bronson Reed. And uh, he's like, hey, that's it. That's a good boy. Get up. Get up, up, up the ladder you go. That's right. Bronson Reed helps the Miz up the ladder and uh, Miz wins the match. Now, is this a good move for Bronson Reed? Bronson and the Miz. Now, I always say this. When you're with the Miz, Miz knows how to stay relevant. He knows how to stay relevant. And with your when with when you're with the Miz, you get the Miz's rub. You get the Miz rub, and you will be a star. But that is so fleeting. That is so temporary. It's temporary stardom. But once you break up with the Miz, somehow everything goes. Everything goes. And like I say, every partner of the Miz, where are they now? Where are they now? So, yeah, um, the Miz, victorious in the match, and uh, thanks to uh, Bronson Reed, even though the Miz could have won the match two times, you know, without Bronson. But regardless, we go to the next match. The next match is uh, a fantastic match. It is uh, the match AJ Styles wanted. AJ Styles versus Rep, uh, Sami Zayn. Now, this was... Oh, really good. The Both these competitors are top-notch. And this was like a 13-minute match. Now, 13 minutes. And I gotta say this. I've seen a lot of brain busters. A lot of brain busters attempted by many different superstars. And uh, what it looks like when you see a brain buster, people like, it's a suplex. People mistaken a suplex for a brain buster. While a brain buster is like a jackhammer, it's like a jackhammer, except you don't do a slam. But yeah, he, yeah, this is, uh, if you were to see a textbook, um, what's that, uh, Brain Buster, Sammy Zayn, look him up. One of the greatest out there. Anyways, this match was next level. This match was great. But however, we got ourselves uh, coming in through the audience. It is a solo Sokoa. Now we got a point here where... Uh, Sammy, Sammy Zayn uh, and AJ Styles scuffling there and Sammy Zayn gets uh, elbowed in the face. He falls back and uh, AJ Styles is going for or, or nice, yeah. Sammy Zayn gets elbowed in the face and AJ Styles going for the, uh, what's that? Uh, the phenomenal forearm to finish it away. But this is where Solo Sokoa reaches ringside. It hops over the thing. Hops over the barricade. AJ Styles rolls out and he attacks. He attacks Solo Sokoa. He beats him up out there. He didn't need to but he did just in case. Sami Zayn slides out to help out Solo, but uh, AJ Styles takes his head and he starts ramming it into the steel steps and then ramming it into the uh, announcer's table and then throwing Sami Zayn back into the ring. Now, while Sami Zayn's rolling to the ring, he grabs the referee's attention. Referee over here! The referee turns around to check on Sami Zayn and lo and behold, AJ Styles tries to get back in the ring. He's stopped by Solo Sokoa. He's turned around and then with the... Uh, um, the solo spike. The he gets he just punches uh, AJ Styles in the chest, rolls him back in the ring. The ref sees nothing. He doesn't know. He just sees him rolling in the ring. He's like, "Whoa, nothing happened there. I didn't see it. It didn't happen. Oh, it doesn't matter." So he rolls him in the ring. Sami Zayn. This is the first time I've seen this. The first time I've seen this one. Sami Zayn grabs. Now this is what I think is great. Now Sami Zayn could have after that just rolled up. AJ Styles and been done with it. You know, just a simple roll-up like Montez Ford did earlier. 
you know, a schoolboy. Finish it. But no, this is the how great the greatness of Sami Zayn. He gets uh, AJ Styles, turns him around, and then picks him up with a blue thunder bomb. Drops AJ Styles, and like I say, the first time ever I've ever seen this, Sami Zayn picking up a victory off the blue thunder bomb. A beautiful, a beautiful. And like I say, this was about uh, 13 minutes of absolute joy and entertainment. After that, we got ourselves uh, Seth Rollins hits the ring. You know, talking about uh, who is running, who who belongs, who Raw belongs to. And Raw belongs to Seth Rollins, of course, because Roman Reigns, he's never around. He's never there at Raw, including tonight. Even including he was shown on Raw, but he wasn't there. He taped that, he taped that stupid segment on Friday, last Friday. So he's saying he's number one, but who is the real number one person in Raw? Why? It's Austin Theory. Austin Theory hits the ring there and they go at each other. They try to cut each other down and they both have something to say. And they both bring the fire. They have five star five star promos by for each of them. Um they both held their own. They both swam in this one here. They, it was great. Seth Rollins, whew, one of the best in the world. It, uh, and uh, Austin Theory, he is, he is, he's one of the greatest right now. He is, uh, that says the age, he is, uh, he's moving mountains, Austin Theory. But it comes down to this, it is the bloodline, just the Usos, the Jimmy and Jesus, Usos should say the, uh, um, the Usos. Um, Jimmy and Jay Uso hit the ring there, ringside, and it seems that uh, Seth Rollins and uh, Austin Theory put their dif indifference aside for now, and well, I guess they're focusing on the Usos. Now this is where Austin Theory says, yes, he starts taking off his jacket and puts it back on and leaves the ring. He leaves Seth Rollins alone in that ring there. You're on your own, buddy. I don't care about this. I'm out of here. Seth Rollins, you! And he starts getting his ass smoked. But you sows. But here we go. Coming out to help him is Kevin Owens. Comes out, helps out Seth Rollins big time. And this is where Adam Pierce comes out and some officials say, that's it. This can't happen. And he breaks up the fight. But it turns out this. Adam Pierce, uh, there's a, a challenge. Kevin Owens wants a, a tag team match. Them, Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins versus the Usos, and Adam Pierce has no problem with that, and he makes it so. He makes that as the main event match. But as for now, we go to our sixth match tonight. It is uh, a match between uh, Bailey representing Damage Control. Now, accompanying Dave Bailey to the ring are um, the tag team champions. They are Dakota Kai and Eos Sky, and they are fighting a Becky and Lynch. Becky Lynch in, in the match, you know? Becky no buns? <laughs> I'm just kidding. She's a great athlete. Um, so, here's the thing. Becky figured it's not going to be a one-on-one -on -one match. She's going to be a one-on-three. So she realized that at some time she's going to have to deal with the uh, with the Dakota and Io. Now, early on, yes, Io did try to interfere. She tried, tried to give a, um, a cheap shot onto Bailey, but not onto... Uh, with Becky Lynch, but Becky was too quick to st and she stopped the whole situation from happening, going any further. Now, I found this move. This move was kind of hilarious. It is a, uh, a double springboard leg drop. 
you know, by Becky Lynch. Now I call it the elevator leg drop because uh, she hops onto the bottom rope, springboards onto the second rope, and then uh, follows up with a leg drop onto uh, Bailey. It's pretty funny. But even though, you know, carry on, Bailey with the massive uh, belly, belly to belly onto uh, Becky Lynch, keeps on going, she kicks out of it. Now here's a move I, I find suspect. It seems at the moment really special. Um, they call it the uh, um, Diamond Dust Driver. You know? And it's basically, uh, what's that? Uh, Becky Lynch grabs uh, Bailey in the, uh, re- uh, what's that? Uh, um, the inverted DDT, gets her an inverted DDT and does a front bump. And I'm not sure what it is. She does a front bump. And that's what it looked like. She gave her Bailey inverted DDT look. And she did a front bump up to second ropes. And then she landed on her back. I'm not sure if it's supposed to be a cutter. supposed to be a neck breaker. But uh, it just looked uh, like the move hurt the person doing it than the person taking it. Anyways, enough with that. Complaining about that move. Um, eventually, Bailey tries to get a nice roll up on uh, a dub- double leg pick roll roll up on uh, Becky Lynch. Referee sees Bailey with the uh, rope assist. She throws her legs on the second rope, trying to get a pin, but the referee sees that, calls Matt, matches goes on. Match goes on. Bailey slides out the ring there with, because uh, Becky Lynch tries goes for the manhandle slammer. She goes for the manhandle slam on Becky Lynch. EO Sky and Dakota Kai slides, pulls Becky Lynch or Bailey out of the ring uh, to safety. Becky Lynch goes and slides, slide tackles Bailey out the ring there. Now this is where things get interesting. Um, I would say uh, Becky Lynch grabs a, I guess, a, a monitor and she's going to use it as a weapon and this is where the referee says, this is enough, that's enough. Io, Dakota, you're out of here. He kicks them out. And while this happens, uh, they're escaping, they're walking away. Uh, Becky Lynch goes in the ring there and then Dakota Kai gets on the ring apron in dis- dis- um, you know, protest and protest. Becky Lynch starts attacking Dakota Kai. Dakota rolls in the ring there and she gets starts getting a mud hole stomped in her by Becky Lynch. And eventually, Dakota gets, you know, she eventually, uh, the referee's like, listen, you gotta go. The referee's like having a conversation with uh, Dakota Kai. Dakota eventually slides out of the ring and while behind the referee's back, Bailey comes into the ring with that very uh, monitor and smacks Becky Lynch right in the back of the head with that thing. Becky goes down in a heap. Bailey discards the monitor, chucking it back outside the ring. The referee turns around and uh, he's still arguing with uh, Dakota and, uh, you know, EO to get them out of there. And while this is happening, it is the rose plant puts out Becky Lynch. And with a one, two, three, this match was like 14 and a half minutes, almost 15 minutes. This was a barn burner, slobber knocker. This was a good match. A very, very good match. Bailey with a massive, well-needed victory. So she's looking good. Damage control, damage central on top. Now this is going ready for a main event match. Now that match is over. Going ready for a main event match. We go backstage with Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins. They're back there. And Seth Rollins saying, ah, what happened to us? We, we made such a good team together, me and you. We used to kick ass. And they talk about what happened. They did make a great team. And then Seth Rollins, or Kevin Owens, brings up the past. Like, yeah, you're, uh, remember WrestleMania? Uh, you know, you, we try to steal my WrestleMania moment. <laughs> it was 
It's great because this is what this is the greatness of Kevin Owens, and Seth Rollins. They 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 bring back the past. They understand history. Um, regardless, of people remember it or not, they remember it, and it makes it everything more legit, more real. And this is a. But anyways, he says like this: "Hey, it's a past. Bygones. Bygones be bygones. Okay, let's move on. We got a thing to do. Let's kick them ass. Let's kick some Uso ass." So that's great. Now this match, really, when he got ready, then he got started. Um, Why well, Seth Rollins really wanted to get started, uh, so he attacked the Usos with Jack to the face. So this was hectic. The referee had no control over the first part of the match, but eventually, Kevin Owens and uh, Jimmy Uso cleared out of the ring, and uh, the match started with uh, Seth Rollins and Jay Uso in the ring there. Now this was a good match. It was a really good match. Eventually, Solo Sokoa found his way to the ring. And then we find that uh, the Good Brothers, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows in there, uh, start taking out, beating up Solskoa before he can do anything. Now, this is uh, the end sequence here. It's, uh, I believe it's uh, Jey Uso. He high-crossed Tope. He did massive uh, Tope Suicida, high-cross style. He crushes the Good Brothers from outside the ring. And then Seth Rollins... His turn, he goes and hits the ropes. He does a massive front flip tope. He crushes both uh, um, Solo and Jey Uso. Now, Solo then got up and tried to charge Seth Rollins, and tr he charged himself right into the uh, ring post, just like he pulls an Otis, knocks himself out with the ring post. Seth Rollins uh, focuses his attention onto uh, Jey Uso, and then with a curb stomp, Seth Rollins takes out Jey Uso for the rest of the match. Now, meanwhile, inside the ring, it's uh, Jimmy Uso and uh, Kevin Owens in the ring there. They're fighting for top rope supremacy. Now, this is a weird part because the referee is clearly watching them and in his peripheral vision. He can clearly see what's happening. He can see Seth Rollins. He can see it. But Seth Rollins, he's he's just admiring his handiwork, what he did to Jay Uso outside the ring with a curb stomp. And this is where Austin Theory comes in from behind in the crowd and then clobbers clobbers Seth Rollins in the back of the head with the United States champion the championship belt the referee could have easily seen it clearly but he chooses to ignore it now inside the ring Jimmy Uso and Kevin Owens it's one on one now this is some it gets really good the fighting wrestling gets great in there a lot of scuffling Jimmy Uso goes for a massive frog splash Kevin Owens rolls out of the way uh, now Kevin Owens does go for a power bomb. He doesn't get it, but he doesn't give up. Eventually, he gets a pop-up powerbomb onto uh, Jimmy Uso, and then whammo! One, two, three, in about 11 minutes, 11 plus minutes, it is over. Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins get the big victory over the Bloodlines. Uh, Uso, is Jimmy and Jay Uso. Now, while this is happening, after the match is over, it would seem Sami Zayn would want to get a sneak attack on Kevin Owens, but Kevin turns around to face him, face to face. But there's nothing happens here. Sami Zayn backs out of the ring. After all, in two weeks' time, not this Friday, but next Friday, not this Friday, next Friday, it's going to be the tag match um, between uh, um, Sami Zayn and uh, the Tribal Chief Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens and John Cena. And not this Friday, next Friday. But that's on SmackDown. Anyways... 
that uh, that does wrap it up for another episode of Monday Night Raw. But fear not, listener. Stay tuned for our coverage of the NXT right after this short break. The wrestling show, oh, 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 baby. It's time for the wrestling show to take a very cynical look back at representing the WWE and live from the Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. It's the NXT air date December 20th, 2022. This episode is the road to New Year's Evil. Let's go. Wellbo. Wellbo. Welcome back, listener. I'm Lip Hazlywood, and we're about to take a very cynical look back at the latest tapings of the NXT. But before we dive into the show, a quick shout-out to the non-competitors. First and foremost, the commentary crew, the play-by-play guys, and I even call them the narrators of the whole damn show. They are the team of two-time, two-time Hall of Famer, and my personal favorite behind the microphone, it's Booker T. And backing up Booker T., it's the ever-vigilant and bipartisan, Vic Joseph. And of course, getting all the pre-match interviews and all of the backstage scoops, it's Mackenzie Mitchell. Now, without any further kadoos, let's get on with the show. Because this show starts off with the banger, an absolute banger, I'm telling you. Carmelo Hayes versus Axiom. Now, with Carmelo Hayes, is Trick Williams on his corner, and on... Axiom's corner is nobody. So it's going to cause a problem in this match because it's really going to be Axiom versus two, two on one handicap match, really. So this match, of course, what I got to say about both competitors, both Camarlo Hayes and Axiom, both amazing competitors. When it comes in the ring, their abilities, they are next level competitors, without a doubt, and their cardio are great. On paper, this would be an amazing match. And when they did wrestle, it was next level wrestling. It was some good stuff. Good stuff. High flying. Just, yeah. It would knock your socks off. Truly would. Um, now, here's a. there was a problem in this match. However, there was a serious problem. The referee was a big problem. I'm not sure what he was thinking, what's going on. But early on in the match, Carmelo Hayes um, reverses, uh, the counters a... Uh, Axiom maneuver, which countered, uh, resulted in a, a power bomb, a one-armed power bomb. He sits down on um, Axiom. Referee looks at both of them and does nothing. Axiom's arms are on the mat, or shoulders, shoulders are on the mat, laying there for at least a solid of five seconds. Referee did not even bother with the count, which was very interesting. Did not understand that. But regardless, we move on. Now, we had this very cool, cool um, bit in the match. A little, uh, where they had a test of strength, both Camarlo and Axiom, both hand to, you know, grappling hands, and they fall themselves going up the ro- up the ropes and they ended up jumping up to the top of the ropes, which was pretty impressive. Axiom then, then, with a massive horakarana, a horakarana, throws off uh, Carmelo Hayes. Now, this is another part of the match where I thought it was absolutely absurd. Absolutely absurd. Now, the ref, after the big bump, the referee decided to, uh, he figured, oh my goodness, that was so horrible. Hor- 
horrible. And he goes to check on uh, Carmelo Hayes. Really has to check on him. Oh, I think you're hurt. I really think you're hurt with that very fantastic executed bump. So when he stands in front of, uh, the, it gets in the in the way between. He gets in between Carmelo and Axiom, and he's putting his hands up to Axiom like, no, you cannot do anything. He might be injured. So absurd. So absurd. So I'm not sure why why this was put into her like that, but it was. I guess it was only had one reason that the referee had to make sure that Carmelo Hayes was all right, right as rain for some reason, is for that uh, Trick Williams to do his cheat. Because we all know Carmelo Hayes was down there saying, hey, referee, just uh, a little bit longer. Stretch this out. Uh, stretch it out a little bit. So while he does that, Axiom is getting ready for his massive uh, um, finishing move. You know, the golden ratio um, kick. But instead of getting, instead of performing the golden ratio kick, instead of Trick Williams comes behind him, grabs his head, and then throws him backwards into the mat. Mm-hmm. Referee could have heard that, but didn't care about that. It's too ridiculous. And after that, Carmelo Hayes uh, picks up Axiom, and then with the massive, massive, uh, what's that, code breaker? A recoil? A lung blower, either or, that looked like it could have finished the match right there. But instead, Carmelo goes to the top rope and finishes it with the uh, nothing but net leg drop off the top rope. Fantastic. Uh, and this match ended in uh, about seven and a half minutes. And it was over. Carmelo Hayes with a big victory. And this match was... Uh, other than the the cheesy referee, okay, this match could have had great. This had this match, like I say, on paper, this match uh, could have been great. Um, I'm not sure what happened in this match. It was still fun. It was still a lot of fun. The referee was terrible. Now, after the match was over, it was weird because uh, Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams were leaving the ring, but Trick was like, oh, hey, they give him a high five. Trick was like, oh, I almost forgot. There's something I have to do before I leave. So Carmelo Hayes starts leaving still, trickling, turns around and goes back to the ring for some reason, only to get moonsaulted by uh, Axiom. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I can see probably next week Axiom versus uh, Trick Williams in a one-on-one match where Axiom uh, hands Trick Williams his uh, pride by winning next week. Okay, so after that, we got ourselves some uh, backstage Actione with the Mitch Kenzie Mitchell with Grayson Waller. And it's uh, basically Grayson Waller has, uh, after watching Roxanne Perez last week while owning her, choosing her own path and beating Mandy Rose, who, by the way, Mandy Rose, uh, shame Mandy Rose was released from the company. Um, mm-hmm. I guess she uh, she was given a choice between her personal sexy uh, webpage in working for the NXT and she chose her sexy webpage. But regardless, I don't talk about the backstage stuff really like that. And let's get to what happened here. So anyways, um, it is Grayson Waller gets some inspiration from uh, Roxanne Perez and then challenges himself instead of waiting for New Year's Evil. He wants to challenge a Braun Breaker tonight on a show. But it's Mackenzie Mitchell. She says, don't you know, Braun Breaker's not here tonight. He's got, he's doing some promos for the showmos. He's doing some pro. he's 
advertising show. Anyways, he's not in the building tonight, so you can't challenge him. So basically, he's calling me. Uh, he, he said, meet me in the middle of the ring, a bitch. That's right. He's calling Braun Breaker, a bitch. Wow. Wowzy, wowzy, wowzy. Anyways, this is a, a thing that's going to weave its way through the show. It's uh, Grayson Waller looking for Braun Breaker for his opportunity to become the main man in NXT. So now here we go backstage. We got ourselves Tony D'Angelo and Channing Stanks Lorenzo. And basically it's this. Um, Tony has, uh, he called up uh, Wesley and he's got his opportunity. It's going to be a North American Championship match. And he wants Stanks to do him a big favor. Apparently he wants to go to Dijek and uh, to tell him to stay out of the business of the dawn. You know, stay out of his way. And, you know, after, of course, after all said and done, and when uh, Tony D'Angelo says he becomes the new North American champion, then, of course, Dijak, you're welcome. You're, you're, the next, you're the next opponent, okay? Basically, it's like that. While this is happening, we got ourselves a little bit of a Grayson Waller. And he's looking for Bronze Breaker. And he's a big much, uh, keep an eye out for him, okay? Keep an eye out for him. Okay. Moving on. Next match. Zoe Stark versus Nikita Lyons. It's a big match. Uh, the athlete versus the model. That's what uh, Zoe Starks would think. Now, how about this match? How about uh, this match? That was hard hitting. They did. Uh, Zoe Starks was off the gate. Or should I say Nikita Lyons was off the gate pretty fast with a good uh, um, taking control until they took it outside the ring. And Zoe Starks used a ring post to throw, uh, man, to throw uh, Nikita's face into it. I always say this, anything outside the ring like this, uh, if you take the fight outside the ring, this should be special occasions on like uh, um, a, uh, what's that? Uh, um, no holes barred matches like that. Well, anyways, it didn't mean much. They could, uh, they took it back inside the ring. Then I heard the craziest noise. It was the loudest and probably the hardest uh, chop in the, probably wrestling right now. Uh, it's always dark with open-handed chop to Nikita Lyons, very meaty chest, and it made it quite a slap, a quite a slap. The whole crowd, like you can hear it reverberated throughout uh, um, Orlando in the entire, you know, state. But yeah, um, Zoe Stark, uh, pretty much uh, after that, he was pretty much, she was pretty handling Nikita Lyons until the end sequence was this. Um, Zoe Starks, uh, Stark has, goes around, is behind uh, Nikita Lyons. Nikita goes to a, for a quick uh, go behind of Zoe Starks and follows up with a, uh, um, an O'Connor roll, an O'Connor roll. Now, it was a sloppy O'Connor roll, so it, I guess it, uh, it could have ended better, but it wasn't. She goes for an O'Connor roll and goes for a pin. Referees does count it. Referee's in the weirdest position. He made sure his ass is towards the ropes. It is weird. So she rolls her up and she kind of doesn't quite roll through. Zoe Stark then with her incredible power. If Zoe Stark was a weakling, she would never do this. But Zoe Stark is a very powerful woman and she grabs Nikita. She throws her down and then rolls on top of her. And uh, she's basically uh, with a matchbook style cover. Um, a sit down cover onto the legs of a matchbook uh, uh, Nikita Lyons. The referee then in the weirdest position, 
his butt is right to his back is right to uh, the action he's looking backwards it's weird um, Nikita is getting pinned um, Zoe Stark is grabbing the ropes so then she couldn't be uh, bucked off and it is uh, Zoe Starks with a big victory and in like five and a half minutes so yeah it is a standard length of an NXT uh, match and uh, Zoe Stark gets a victory now backstage, we got ourselves Mackenzie Mitchell again, alongside with Cora Jade. And Cora Jade talked about uh, Roxanne. Uh, the question was about, uh, how do you feel about Roxanne Perez not only winning the Iron Survivor match, but also becoming the new NXT champion, baby, champion? Well, it's all about uh, deserves. Who deserves what? A lot of people think they deserve to win the, the, uh, the Women's Championship, but... I, she, Cora Jade, feels like she deserves it. And then comes the biggest bully of all. You think she's being bullied, but she is truly the bully. And who's the bully? It is Wendy Chu. Wendy Chu comes up and attacks Cora Jade. And they go at it. Mm -hmm. You think Cora is a bad person here? Now, Cora Jade did throw away one half of the women's tag team titles in the garbage. Because you know what? She did what everybody was thinking. What everybody's thinking. The women's tag division in the NXT, in, a, in not just NXT, in WWE in general, is trash. And uh, they should be making, they should be focusing on uh, more women's singles titles that mean something. Anyways, that's what I think. Now, with that, we go, oh, not just backstage, but to a bar. Now, this sec, okay, this is a. Uh, um, Josh Briggs, Brooks Jetson, and Fallon Henley's bar. Now, this is a funny segment because they're in a bar. Now, this was, I truly believe, this truly was taped in two different days. This one segment was taped, taped two separate days and then uh, um, slapped together and then, you know, edited it together. So basically, it's all about, oh, Fallon Henley, she's having some money problems and bar problems and this, they bank my foreclose. What's going to happen with the bar? Why? It is uh, Kiana James and her, uh, I guess her assistant comes in there and she's got some news. She paid off the debt and she could very well buy the bar. Buy the bar. And it's hilarious too because clearly um, Kiana James and her assistant are uh, edited in. It's, uh, it's bad. It was weird. I don't know what happened, why they couldn't be in. They couldn't find a date where they can both do this bit together. I know something happened, but it was a very uh, cut and paste um segment and it, it basically is all about the dumb bar and uh how what uh brooks jensen's madly in love with kiana james how oh, sweet now next match it is a this is a uh, six woman tag match for the um women's tag team championship gold now, uh, this match was, I believe, was uh, a wrestling stunt show. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot, It was just a lot of fun. It was lots of fun. It was ridiculous, basically. Now, who is fighting? Why? Defending their championship gold is a team of... It's Team KC. It's uh, Katana Chance and Caden Carter versus former um, tag team champions of uh, Toxic Attraction or what's left of Toxic Attraction, Gigi Dolan and JC Jane. It's tough. It's a tough thing that uh, Mandy Rose is not around. But regardless, they've gotten through worse. And of course, with fighting them, the third team is uh, the team of Ivy Nile and Tatum Paxley. 
Now, what happened in this match? Now, uh, in the beginning, it was funny because there was a time where uh, Tatum Paxi was going to tag Ivy Nile, but apparently she got uh, confused where Ivy Nile was standing and was about to tag in the Katana Chance. was pretty hilarious. Pretty hilarious. Now, what's going on with these tag teams? Now, the NXT, I always say NXT, when it comes to uh, holding the tag ropes and making legitimate clean tags, it is almost all the time. They, they are really, they're real sticklers to this. Um, now, there was one up. Now, I think they should really start calling when they don't make tags now. Caden Carter, one thing, she was holding the tag rope, but when she made the blind tag, um, JC Jane was too far away when she hit the ropes, and it was like when Caden Carter um, went to tag her, she released the tag rope. Therefore, that was an illegal tag. She just slapped JC Jane in the back. Okay, regardless. Next one. We got ourselves a wonderful, a really hilarious. It's the uh, new tangent move of Caden Carter and uh, Katana Chance is the best friends. Uh, um, what's that? The high cross, double high cross. The best friends, double high cross. They go on the top rope and they double high cross. That's right. Everybody else. Gigi Dolan, JC Jane, Ivy Nile, Tatum Paxi, all of them ready to catch the duo, the flying duo. I find this hilarious. Now, what is what constitutes a tag? Now, I've seen uh, in these matches here when it involves more than two teams, you can tag in, you can tag in somebody else from another team. And how do you tag him in? Is your preference? You can you can slap him in the face, and that's the that would be considered a tag if the other person is holding the tag rope. So you can attack um, your 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 next uh, person that's going to go in the ring, and this is what happened here. Um, it's Gigi, it's JC, Gigi Dolan. She goes and attacks. Uh, she smashes Tatum Paxley in the face, right? That should have been the tag in, but it wasn't. It's a weird thing. And then later on, it's Tatum Paxley in the ring, and she goes and attacks, straight up attacks, uh, you know, uh, Katana Chance. Katana was holding the ropes. That would have been uh, a tag in, but it wasn't. So the, these, these rules, they just don't know. They just don't know. This referee just doesn't know. So that's the problem with attacking an opponent. They could be tagging in your opponent. So here's the thing also, a big moment where uh, Tatum, um, Tatum Paxley is on top of the shoulders of Caden uh, uh, Carter. And Caden Carter is sitting on top of the top rope and then Katana Chance tags herself in, climbs right to the top and with a massive Horikarana throws off um, Tatum Paxley. Now, I like this move a lot. It shows me a whole lot about uh, Katana Chance and her heart and her fearlessness in the ring. She's not afraid to do anything, which is uh, really good considering, you know, how absolutely petite, tiny she is. She is, ooh. If you mix in an elf with a dwarf and you get like a dwarf elf, that is a uh, Katana Chance. She's absolutely, okay, regardless, she's massive talent. She's massive talented. Now, what happened there? After that big move, uh, we got ourselves a big, the big uh, super kick finale uh, sequence where uh, we're running in. It's uh, Ivy Now breaks up the pin. And then it's Gigi Dolan with a super kick to Ivy Nile. And then it's uh, Caden Carter with a super kick to Gigi Dolan. And it's JC Jane with a super kick to Caden uh, Carter. And then it's Katana Chance with the Inzagiri. 
um, to uh, JC Jane. But match got interesting. You know, it, the end sequence was this. Uh, it's uh, JC Jane looking to finish off uh, what's Ivy Nile in the ring. She backs up into the corner of uh, Team KC. Katana, um, Katana Chance self tags herself in. And then Caden uh, Carter pulls out um, JC Jane from the ring and then beats her up out there. Uh, and then it's, uh, what's that? Uh, Katana Chance and uh, Avi Nile going at it. Then it's a massive Codebreaker. That's right. It's uh, Katana Chance, Codebreakers, uh, Avi Nile. Avi Nile drops down hard. And then she tags in her partner. And then, what's that? Uh, they're about to do a massive tandem move. It's Caden Carter in the ring there. Katana Chance climbs up top rope for a massive uh, 450 splash on top of a, uh, you know, uh, Ivy Nile. Now, Tatum Paxley, however, runs up and pushes, pushes off uh, Katana Chance off the top rope. Now, Katana, when she falls off the top rope, Oh, thank goodness. She had, um, she landed right on top of GC Jane and JC Jane, uh, Gigi Dolan, JC Jane from Toxic Attraction. So that pulls out all three of those fighters. While inside the ring, it's uh, Ivy Nile throws on her patented Dragon Sleeper onto Caden Carter. And you think, oh my God, that's it. That's it. Caden Carter is over. We got new champions, but no. Caden Carter. He finds, she finds herself close to ropes and then kicks off the ropes. Um, Ivy Nile lands on the ground. Caden Carter rolls backwards and then has Ivy Nile's arms, shoulders to bent and gets a one, two, three. Nowhere to be seen was uh, Tatum Paxley. She could have stopped it. She could have stopped it. She had, she was perfectly fine. She just disappeared. So yeah, in about 10 minutes match, it is a, uh, Retaining their championship gold is Katana Chance and Caden Carter. Good for you, the two Goyles. Now, here we go. We go backstage with Booker T and his number one protege, Roxanne Perez, talking about basically uh, her road to uh, WWE Championship gold, baby, her success. And she is a prodigy from start to finish. Now, I believe uh, it was uh, Vic Joseph that said that... Uh, What's that? Roxanne Perez just had hours to prepare for her match with, uh, what's that, Mandy Rose. But he's wrong. Roxanne Perez really has been working for this moment all her life. Hold on, hold on. So yeah, great, great in that. She's looking for all comers for her championship gold, baby. Now from that, we go in the ring with uh, Apollo Crews. That's right. I'm not a big fan of Apollo Crews. That's why I may say his name like that. And uh, his whole thing about his, uh, his, the reason why he came to NXT was to become a champion in NXT. And it completely failed because he lost to Braun Breaker. So yeah, his failed attempt at gold. And while he's being all like, oh, what should I do now? I don't know what he said. I wasn't paying attention. It is Carmelo Hayes, the man, goes into the ring there. And uh, he plans on putting Apollo Crews on a t-shirt. Just like he has done all his career. Just putting people on t-shirts because he just makes them look like fools. 
and Apollo, he says that, you know what, guess when you think you're the best, there's someone out there that's better than you. And Apollo Crews actually thinks he's better. <laughs> he, Apollo thinks he, he's better than Carmelo Hayes. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's hilarious. He may be uh, long, he might be in, in a business longer, but better, not really. I don't think so. Don't think so. Anyways, it gets intense in the ring there. So their match is going to be really good. Really good. They're like uh, really nicely paired up. It's like uh, Apollo Crews versus uh, Braun Strowman. Braun, yeah, Braun Breaker, I should say. Very evenly matched. Now I'd say uh, Apollo Crews and uh, Carmelo Hayes. Carmelo Hayes will win. And speaking of winning, we got ourselves a, a new day. Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods winning because they're now taking briberies for an opportunity at the gold. <laughs> That's right. You, uh, they have an Amazon wish list and you uh, get everything they want and you get an opportunity, baby. So that's right. Sometimes it pays to get, uh, to have money. Anyway, so yeah, it's, you know, uh, Elton Prince and uh, Kit Wilson trying to get an opportunity to get their gold back, get their gold back. But to no avail. Not yet, anyways. So now and after that, we go backstage with uh, Isla Dawn back there, just like with, uh, you know, laying sexily on top of some crates while Alba Fire comes over and like, Oh, Isla Dawn, you're going to get me baseball bat in the face. So she goes over there and Isla Dawn with a handful of uh, um, it's, uh, red, red sparkly dust, red sparkle dust. She blows it right in the face of uh, Isla Dawn. Now, what is this? What is this? Um, sparkly dust. Is this uh, her new mind-controlling drug? Oh, when they fight, she uh, puts a hex. This is the start of the hex on uh, Isla, da Isla Dawn's hex on Alba Fiore. Anyways, that's interesting. Isla Alba Fiore, she's got a match later on. But will she be ready? Because she's just been blinded. Blinded by mist. Not mist, but some sort of dust. And speaking of that, we are even further backstage, going outside, leaving the area, are the uh, team of uh, Odyssey Jones, Malik Blade, and Idris Enofe, because they had Enofe of being at the show fay. So they're like, well, we're gonna go and party. Let's go, we don't have a match today, so let's go and drink and be happy. And they see, uh, you know, um, I have a rain out there. And they're like, oh, hey, dude, there's Avarine. Maybe she wants a party, too. She wants a party. She wants to get down. But she don't want to dance. No, it's basically, I was like, uh, are you seriously? Really? You want to do that? Uh, what you're doing is just temporary happiness. That's all that's like so superficial what you're doing. It's superficial. It doesn't last. You want something to last. That doesn't last. And she's right. I think, the, and then, of course, the rest of Schism shows up there. The diets, you know, uh, um, Joe Gacy, Rip Fuller, and Jagger Reed. You know, to talk about, uh, you know, do you want to have this superficial life or do you want to have something real? And, uh, yeah, so I guess they're trying to push a whole new message now of uh, the schism, always. The changing face and changing, uh, you know, mission of schism will always change, always changing, always changing. You know, no more masks. Because you figure like, oh, yeah. Time to dump the old masks. Yeah, that too is a stolen gimmick. Anyways, 
I guess Schism's got something right, is of course, yeah. Um, going and partying, drinking and gambling, it's only a superficial, only temporary happiness. What is real happiness? And Schism can offer it. But then again, they don't want any more in their group. They don't want any more in the group because they'll be just beating everybody up now because they're, you know, an all-inclusive group. It's so ridiculous. Anyways, next up, we go backstage. It's with uh, um, Alba Fire back there and with med Medical Bay and she's checking her eye out. The doctor is out there or the medical person is checking her eye out. And Grace Waller goes there and says, she's he's also looking for uh, Braun Breaker. But we find out anything later on. We find that uh, Alba Fire will be uh, will be okay to go for her match. Oh, so next up, we got ourselves a big match. It's uh, Indy Hartwell versus Electra Lopez in this match, which lasted three and a half minutes. Very under the standard NXT uh, length match. Now. It was uh, Electra Lopez trying to put a hit on India Harwell. Take off the head, take out the hat, and you own the, the, the business. So she thinks that the best way to take charge of uh, NXT's women division is through Indy Hartwell, regardless the champion. So yes, what's going to happen here? It was okay. It was an okay match. It was fine. Electra, um, Electra Lopez uh, had a nice ground game, some good... Uh, um, Submissions, you know, gold uh, heel pulling the face moves and stuff. It was, it, she's uh, she was pretty all right. It was pretty okay. Now at the end was this. This is why it kind of like okay, yeah, it happened. It wasn't a great match because at the end of the match it was uh, Electra Lopez. She jumps onto the uh, you know corner, second rope, and she's fumbling around with a pad. I'm thinking, oh my goodness. I'm thinking, is she gonna pull off that corner pad? Is she going to pull that? It looks like she's trying to pull off, maybe trying to pull off that pad there and use that as a, the ring post, as a uh, the ring, uh, exposed ring uh, corner as a, in a, you know, for example, uh, take, take advantage of it. But no, instead she has a pair of hand, uh, brass knuckles hidden under there, pulls them out and smashes because Indy Harbour picks up Electra Lopez for some sort of back body driver, back body drop driver. And it's Electra Lopez with a whap, smacks, in the, in the uh, Hartwell in the face, they drop backwards. Electra Lopez gets a big pin and then stuffs those brass knuckles in that bra of hers. Ref, never seeing it. Don't think you'd frisk over there. So after that, big thing, it's Mackenzie Mitchell with uh, a Wesley. That's right. And uh, basically, he's uh, talking about uh, the title match he's going to have against uh, Tony D'Angelo next week. And basically, it's this. West does not want to be a reactionary champion. He was looking for his next opponents. And right now, he's uh, looking at Tony D'Angelo. And after Tony D'Angelo, he's looking for uh, Dijak. That's true. Now, we go into ring for next match. Our next match is supposed to be Saul Ruka versus Alba Fire. Alba Fire was uh, cleared for this match earlier. And I gotta say, Saul Ruka, she looks incredible. She has a great uh, build on her. She's got uh, insane, uh, she's got everything. She's got everything that to go on her side. Um, she's got the looks, she's got the size, she's got, yeah, she's got the complete package. She's got all the potential in the world. But however, this match never starts. Because while Abba Fire is trying to get in the ring, it is, uh, what's that? Uh, Isla Dawn pulling her off and beating the living holy hell out of her. And then this is the funny part. She puts her arm, puts 
um, Isla puts Alba's arm in between the steel steel steps and the ring post. She puts there all of a sudden it's, it's stuck. Ah, oh, I can't move my arm. It's stuck. No, it was hilarious. And then uh, Isla Dawn grabs that uh, you know foam baseball bat and then smashes the steel steps. Whacko! Yep, and uh, that ends it. Uh, I'm not sure what it was supposed to do, but yeah, yeah. You can hear the the thud of the compressed uh, foam of the baseball bat. And Alba Fire is uh, hurt, I guess, and uh, who knows what's going to happen with that? What's going to happen with Isla Dawn? Isla, her what she was her gear there? Whew, my goodness, Malone, Malone, it's looking incredible. Absolutely incredible. I'm a huge fan of Aladon. And what did she need to do that uh, smashing her? Maybe it's that uh, mist in the face. Maybe she put the mist in the face. That's why uh, uh, Apple Fire couldn't get out of the predicament she was in. But she couldn't just pull her arm back out of the uh, spot between the uh, steel steps and the uh, ring. Okay, now with that, we go backstage with uh, some uh, a Chase U classes in session. And Chase, Andre Chase is accepting all presents. And he does not like fruitcake because he's allergic. Andre Chase uh, has a plan. And who knows what's going to happen? Is Andre Chase looking to dethrone, uh, um, or should I say, uh, Duke Hudson? Duke Hudson's got a plan. Is Duke Hudson looking to dethrone or look over to take over Chase U and call it uh, Hudson U? I don't know. So something's happening with the Chase U universe. Andre Chase and Duke Hudson, something is amiss. Something's not right. Or is it what uh, Duke Hudson wants to, everyone to believe? But he's all in a straight and narrow looking to make Chase U a better place. Anyways, with that, we go backstage with uh, them good old boys. That's right. Um, it's Mackenzie Mitchell with uh, Fallon Henley, Brooks Jensen, and Josh Briggs, and they're talking about the future and such. Next week, uh, Fallon's got a match with Kiana James, and right now, is Brooks Jensen, Josh Briggs got a big opportunity at the Tag Team Championship. Go, oh, baby, it gets a new day. Now, while they're talking, we got ourselves some good pair coming in there, and it is uh, Fallon. It is, uh, well, of course, it's uh, Kiana James and her assistant. Kiana's like wishing uh, Josh uh, Brooks Jensen good luck on her match. Now, I think it came down to a hilarious thing where um, Kiana James was like, uh, was getting upset with Mackenzie Mitchell. It's like, I might be a professional, but I'm also a woman. So now we go backstage. It's hilarious. It's Drew Gulak having a, um, a training session in training in session. I guess that's what Gulak's doing these days. He's just training people. And it's uh, Hank Walker. He's looking for uh, a little extra, you know. He's looking to take a, um, things further to another level in his career. And he thinks uh, Drew Gulak can do something for him. It's hilarious because Drew Gulak couldn't do anything for himself. So, like they say, if you can't do, teach. Am I right? High five, listener. High five. Okay. So Drew Gulak said, well, you can, you can come to my... I have a training session next week. You can't... You can't attend. You can't join in, but you can attend. So you can watch, but that's it. You big clumsy oaf. He didn't say any of that. But anyways, he's invited to attend to a Drew Gulak um, uh, wrestling uh, session. You would think, you would think Hank Walker would be going to chase you for some wrestling lessons, but no, he does not. 
Now we're next match. It is the main event match. It is for the NXT Tag Team Champions. And you're um, competing as your current uh, Triple Crown a winner and defending champions. It's uh, the New Day, Kofi Kingston and Xavier Hoods. Hoods? Versus Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs. Now... I make fun of uh, Kofi Kingston a lot and uh, Xavier Woods a lot. But when it comes down to wrestling, their matches are top-notch. They are great matches. Uh, Xavier Woods is a master tactician tactician in the uh, tag team division. Kofi Kingston, he loves his sneakers and having weird-ass gear. They make his legs look like weird-looking... Uh, um, um, what's that? Uh, mushrooms, that's it. Uh, mushrooms. Cantrell, I think it's called. Mushroom. So now they're fighting them good old boys, Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen and Fallon Henley bought them signs. Now, like I say, this was a very fun match, a very fun match, a good match, a good, good match. And tags were pretty good, fairly clean, fairly clean, but not completely clean. Kofi Kingston showing shines of uh, brilliance in that ring there, having a lot of fun. You can tell that Kofi Kingston's really enjoying himself. When Kofi Kingston's enjoying himself in the ring, you can just feel it. You can feel the energy. Kofi Kingston's got a great energy about himself. You know? He's got a great soul, said Kofi Kingston. And then you got yourselves out of the uh, Josh Briggs, Brooks Jensen. Josh Briggs, he is he is a, uh, he is a, a, a tornado of uh, energy and power. He is a, uh, there's some great uh, potential for, uh, Brooks Jensen. He, when he gets tagged in, he goes on like a house of fire. He's just smashing everybody. And then uh, with a massive, uh, like he jumps off the apron to uh, Xavier Woods and he just looks like he's going to smash like he's Thor. Pretty impressive looking. To top things off, Josh Briggs has got one hell of a moonsault. That's right. A bloody a moonsault. Squashing Xavier, uh, Kofi Kingston in that ring. Now, here's a part at the end where uh, Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen try to end it by uh, for Kofi Kingston. Um, Josh Briggs gets Kofi on his shoulders and Brooks Jensen climbs up top ropes to do a finishing move somewhat. And then it's Xavier Woods decides to cut in there and push uh, uh, Brooks Jensen off the top rope. Kofi Kingston then ex executes the perfect Poison Rana on uh, Josh Briggs. Follows up with the uh, the massive trouble in paradise right in the side of the head clap tags in Xavier Woods now Xavier Woods doesn't even think about uh, holding on the tag rope there shame on you Xavier at least uh, continuity my friend continuity but he does not he, he uh, high fives Kofi Kingston referee like oh, that's good enough because like I say the referees care not whether you're tagging in holding the rope or not so Xavier Woods in the ring. Kofi Kingston, however, he's got one more piece of business to do, and that's, uh, what's that, uh, Brooks Jensen. He's out the ring, and he goes up, he jumps over the top rope with a massive, massive tope suicida. Over the top rope, squashing the living hell out of Brooks Jensen. Wow. Like I say, the tope suicida, top, over the top there, it is the toughest highest toughest move it takes athleticism it takes confidence it takes everything to do that one properly so many people done it and failed like uh top dollar um and uh what's that the r-truth terrible failures 
Anyways, while he's done that, Xavier Xavier Woods goes to the opposite side of the ring, opposite side of the ring, climbs the top rope, and then with the limit breaker elbow drop, coast to coast, baby. The fans were shitting themselves. What a flashy, fantastic finishing move, squashing the hell out of Josh Briggs. One, two, three, 11 minutes match of the night. Beautiful. And at the end, of course, it is a uh, respect, respect by given to all, you know? Now we go backstage. The matches, all the matches are over. We go backstage. It's all uh, just, uh, you know, it's storyline stuff. And we got ourselves, uh, what's it? Stacks. You know, Channing Lorenzo back there, and he's uh, he's building up some confidence to talk to uh, um, Dijek about him getting out of uh, his boss's business, out of uh, Tony Daniels' business. And then he gets enough courage and goes in the door. Who knows what happens to that? Will there be a beating? Well, we don't know. We don't know. We'll find out next week. What is, what transpired between Dijek and uh, um, Channing Stacks Lorenzo? And then we got ourselves uh, Grayson Waller still looking for uh, Braun Breaker backstage, looking for him, calling him out. And then we go from that, we go outside the ring. We have ourselves uh, Diamond Mine, um, Brutus Creed, Julius Creed, uh, Ivy Nile, and her friend uh, Tatum Paxley. And then they find uh, uh, Sangha and, uh, you know, Veer out there. And Yes, you're very healthy now. I see you're healthy. So it's basically uh, uh, Julius. He has one more fight left. He's going to do one more fight. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Anyways, we go back into the ring. We go back in the ring. It is uh, Grayson Waller again calling out Braun Breaker. Braun Breaker. Oh, honk, honk. Someone's coming. Someone's coming. Braun Breaker, like a, like a charging angry bull. He, uh, he, he, well, he parks his car and now like angry. He charges the ring. He charges the, uh, the uh, what's that? The uh, performance center. He gets in there. He goes right into the ring. Uh, beeline to Grayson Waller. Grayson wearing this fantastic, very comfortable looking uh, um, jacket. Looking really good. I mean, really comfortable. Braun Breaker hits the ring there. He hits the ropes and with a massive spear, he takes out Grayson Waller. But here's the thing. What we didn't expect, nothing was happening after the spear. Braun Breaker was just lying there like out cold and everybody's like, what's going on? Grayson Waller moves. He gets up, he's feeling the spear still, and he reveals what just happened. That's right. A uh, bulletproof vest, baby, with a, a solid steel plate insert. Braun Breaker hit that thing with his head and knocked himself out cold, baby. So, yeah, it's going to be big. Uh, Grayson Waller, top heel in the business versus uh, the best champion in the business. Grayson Waller versus... Um, Braun Breaker. That, I think it's going to be great. I think Grayson Waller is completely underrated. Um, this should be a good match. I'm looking forward to that one. However, will Grayson Waller win? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Not at all. But I like Grayson Waller. He could be a great face of the company. I see I've got a great picture of Grayson Waller holding up that belt. The lights shining behind him. Looking like an absolute champion. Looking like the face of the company. The future face of the company but I've been wrong before. But however, that ends it for this week, but next week's highlighted matches, next week's highlighted matches, we got ourselves uh, Core Jade 
versus the bully, Wendy Pokemon Chew, Wendy Chew, next week. On top of that, we're going to have the battle for the bar. So Fallon Henley beats Keanu James in this match. Why? She can buy her bar back at a reasonable price. And then, of course, there's going to be a six-man tag match. The Schisms versus uh, Odyssey Jones, Malik Blade, and Idris Nofe. And then, if you don't know, Schism is uh, the team of uh, Joe Gacy, Rip Fuller, and Yager Reed. And I believe, uh, you know, uh, Ava Rain will be by their side. Now, that wraps it up for another week of the NXT. But fear not, listener. Stay tuned for our coverage of SmackDown right after this short break. Wrestling show, baby. Ho, ho, ho. It's time for the wrestling show to take a very Christmas look back at representing the WWE and live from the Allstate Arena in Chicago, Illinois. It's Friday Night Smackdown, air date December 23rd, 2022. This is the SmackDown Christmas episode and the road to the Royal Rumble. Let's go. Well, Bo. Well, Bo. Welcome back, listener. I'm Lip Paisleywood, and this is the wrestling show's very cynical Christmas review slash a look back at the latest episode of the Friday Night SmackDown's very Christmas edition. That's right. I will be placing the word Christmas in this in this uh, uh, segment of the podcast because it is very close to Christmas and it is the Christmas edition of SmackDown. But of course, before we get started, a quick shout out to the non-competitors, the glue that holds the building together. Now, of course, representing the authority figure, it's Adam Pierce. Next, getting all the pre-match interviews and all the backstage scoops, it's Kayla Braxton. And, of course, least we forget, the commentary crew, the play-by-play guys, the hosts, and some may even call them, like me, the narrators of the whole damn show. They are the team of uh, one of the best, future, most likely future Hall of Famer. And uh, one of my favorites on commentary, it's Wade Barrett. And backing him up, it's the very annoying, long-time veteran of over 25 years, Michael Cole. And, of course... Without any further cadoos, let's get on with the show. Now, the show is missing a couple of people. Um, one person, for instance, is the representing the Nor- the Intercontinental Championship. It's Gunther. It's right. He's already on Christmas vacation. And who else is there? I bet, I believe, uh, um, Damage Control. All three of them, even though uh, only two of them need to be there. It's uh, Eosky and Dakota Kai. Not there, too. Now, who's there? What shocked me? It really did shock me Who's the, who showed up today. Wasn't advertised to be there last week. It's Roman Reigns. That's right. Starting the show. It's the entire bloodline. Roman Reigns' music hits. 
Paul Heyman, Sami Zayn, Solo Sokoa, Jey Uso, Jimmy Uso, Roman Reigns, the entirety of the bloodline are there today. That's right. Shocking. I was shocked. Now, however, not shocking enough, Roman Reigns did the ab- absolute um, minimum. He, he basically just showed up. It's all uh, Paul Heyman took the microphone and set up the day. What he said, what's going to happen um, later on. Or next, it's, we're going to have a tag team championship matchup. The Usos, Jimmy and Jay Uso, will be defending their titles against Hit Row. Ashante is the Adonis and Top Dalla. What is Top Dalla? Well, he's not Nada. And of course, next week is going to be the big week. You know, the last SmackDown before the end of 2022. It is going to be Soul Sokoa fighting. Yes, right. The, uh, the, uh, the, the guy, the bodyguard, you know, the, uh, the muscle, Soul Sokoa versus, uh, Seamus, the leader of the, uh, you know, brawling brutes, brawling brutes. And of course, the least respect, the big match for next week, the big one. Um, it's going to be two wrestlers there who were part-time wrestlers for sure. One, even more so part-time part part-time but this is a very rare occasion is a very rare occasion for two wrestlers to be fighting at all or to be seen that's right it is uh one side it's uh, representing the bloodline Sami Zayn and that's right Roman Reigns oh the rare appearance of Roman Reigns next week against Kevin Owens and a very even more rare appearance of John Cena still not retired so next week it's going to be uh John Cena uh Kevin Owens versus uh, the Bloodlines, uh, Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn. Where I believe, I believe, it's going to be like this. Next week, it's going to be uh, Kevin Owens and John Cena with a big victory. I think also that uh, Sami Zayn is probably going to get pinned. Um, Sami Zayn is going to be doing most of the work. And just like today, Roman Reigns will be in that match. But uh, how much will he be actually be doing? I've got concerns about the, how I believe. Yeah, I truly believe Sami Zayn will be carrying the match next week, doing all the legwork. Okay, regardless, nevertheless, let's move on to what happened next. It is Sami Zayn grabs, gets a mic, and he cuts a massive, wild promo about, uh, you know what? Sami Zayn's at a point in his life and career where he wants to be. He uh, has always wanted respect, and he's wanted a family. And he's got it both with the bloodline. And he should be happy. He should be ecstatic. But you know what? Sami Zayn's not happy. Because he's got the uh, black cloud that's been following him through his entire career. That's right. It's the turd in his toilet of happiness. Sami Zayn is not happy because it's Kevin Owens who is that turd in that toilet. And Sami Zayn needs to flush it badly to get rid of the uh, his only anchor for uh, to be happy but will Sami Zayn really be happy the the, uh, the search for happiness it's like Moby Dick right isn't it isn't it okay anyways so he's talking about whoever steps up to the bloodline they all get smashed and uh Roman Reigns the thing he does he gives uh Sami Zayn a good old-fashioned hug and a close-up on Roman's face and he uh he mouths some words doesn't matter so now here we go. We got ourselves our first match. It is uh, a tag team match between rep. Okay, uh, defending their championship gold. The representative bloodline is Jimmy and Jay Uso 
versus, and I believe uh, Sami Zayn is at the corner, versus uh, everybody else left, because why, why would Roman Reigns be around? Or Paul Heyman, Sol, well, Sol Skoa could be here or there. But yeah, why would Roman Reigns stick around? He don't. He don't. Versus Hit Rose, Ashante the Adonis, Top Dollar, and on their corner is B-Fab. B-Fab. Now, Hit Row. Hit Row. Uh, now, last week, Top Dollar had a match. Uh, it's a six-man tag. And uh, he uh, came down hard with a botched Top Dollar to su- uh, Tope Suicida. And then uh, it was uh, Joaquin Wilde doing a high cross on him. He, caught, he catches Joaquin Wilde, but his knee buckles. So I figured, is... Is uh, Top Dollar injured? Well, we'll find out. He looks like he's walking normally. And, of course, i got to say something about Ashante the Adonis. I believe uh, he's in the same exact boat. Almost exact boat. As uh, Cedric Alexander. Both insanely gifted talents in ring. Great wrestlers in the ring. But, wow. It's also like uh, Ricochet. You know, great talent, but where are they going? Will they ever become the face of the company? Hmm. Who? Yeah. Don't think so. Anyways, how about this match? What's going on with this match? Who's gonna win? Well, I know the link. One thing for sure: Hit Row ain't gonna win. Ain't gonna win. I mean, uh, they got about as much chance of winning as the uh, Alpha Academy does, <laughs> or better off, um, the uh, Lucha House Party. Who? What would Lucha House Party do in this situation? Why well, they'd lose as well. Now, I always say also another thing in uh, tag team matches in the, in the WWE in general, that they do encourage everybody, all the participants, to uh, hold the tag ropes to make the tags, you know, when they make a tag. they got to hold the tag rope. That's what they, their intentions are. But you know what? It comes down to this. The referees do not care if you're holding the rope or not. Now, now in this match here, they did have legitimate tags, clean tags, but let's uh, start off with this. The first tag in the match. It's uh, Ashante tagging in. Top dollar. Top dollar grabbing that rope until, of course, the tag. He releases the rope and then high fives. Ashante the Adonis. Referee called it a tag, even though the referee should say, a no tag. Take the second, grab the rope, and make a proper tag. Don't make me look like a buffoon, okay? Let's make this illegal. You know? How about a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, continuity. That's the word. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Now, this is good. Ashante Theodonis had a massive high cross body on uh, J- Jimmy Uso. Got to try to get the win there. But in the end sequence was this. We all know who's going to win. Of course, we all know Hit Row is never supposed to win. But the end sequence was, uh, it was very strange. Now, the Usos. Now, I've never really made fun of the Usos before with their uh, their ring gear. Because their shoes, their sneakers, great for basketball and outside the ring. And they wear those sneakers everywhere. It's ridiculous. I've seen, the, yeah, they wear them regardless of the fighting or not. They wear them everywhere. And they shouldn't be. I mean, come on now. Let's get professional here, okay? We all know that uh, Ashante the Adonis, he don't care. Um, yeah, nor does uh, Top Dollar. They don't care about uh, wearing proper ring gear. They're wearing sneakers. All four of these wearing sneakers in their ring. Come on now. What about the sanctity of wrestling? 
I bet Imperium, oh, they should be fuming over this. So anyways, the end sequence, let's get back to the match, okay? All right, so the end sequence was this. Uh, it is uh, Jay taps in Jimmy Uso. Uh, she, it's uh, Jimmy taps in, um, uh, uh, Jimmy taps in Jay Uso, right? Jimmy then gets pulled out of the ring by Top Dollar and then throws Jimmy head first into the stairs. That's right. Now, any regular situation, top anybody getting thrown head first into the stairs, you're out for a couple of minutes for sure. A couple of minutes. So this is the end sequence. This should be it. In the ring there, it's uh, Top Dollar and Ashante Diodonna setting up um, Jimmy Jey Uso for the old uh, um, heavy hitter. So they pick him up and they drop him down with a heavy hitter. And then before Top Dollar can get a pin, it's Jimmy Uso runs in the ring there, breaks up that pin. At that moment, while he's breaking up the pin, it's uh, Ashante the Adonis already awaiting on his corner. Not even protecting Top Dollar in that ring. Nope. He's already outside the ring like, oh, I'm ready for my tag. I'm ready for my tag. And then he's waiting for his tag. And then it's uh, after the big breakup, it's Jimmy Uso. Then kicks the living hell. One big boot to the face of uh, Ashante the Adonis. Now, it's incredible that uh, Jimmy Uso recovered from that uh, being thrown headfirst into the steel steps. That's why there's no disqualifications there because the steel steps are, it's meaningless nowadays. It means nothing getting hit, being thrown into steel steps into the ring post. It means nothing. It's like as as dangerous as being punched in the head, I guess. So, anyways, Jimmy Uso super kicks uh, Ashante the Adonis off the ring apron. You think is he has a super kick? He should be up, no problem. It's nothing like being thrown into a uh, steel steps, but apparently it is. Now, Top Dollar tries to finish off the Usos himself. He gets. Uh, um, he carry he fireman's carries uh, Jey Uso. He gets Jey Uso on his back, and then Jimmy is hilarious. Jimmy Uso then jumps up on his front for uh, a world's most powerful slam. But oh my goodness, it's that leg! Now, if truly the leg were to give out, there is no ooh ooh. It would be like last week. Top dollar would be dropped. His knee would give out. But here's the thing, it's a slow motion. Oh, my leg, it's giving out. Ooh, acting skills not paying off. Not paying off. And he goes down like, oof, he drops uh, uh, Jimmy Uso. Jay Uso drops off there. And then it becomes the super kick party where, you know, Top Dollar was invited. And he got... Uh, his face kicked off many times by the Usos. And then, one and done. Jimmy Uso goes for the cover. It is over for the hit row. Mm-hmm. It is sad. Sad for it row. And, uh, yeah. But what did any, anybody expect? It was roughly a little over ten minutes. So it was respectful, respectable in length, I suppose. Anyways, we move on backstage with uh, Kayla Braxton with uh, two of members of Imperium Ludwig Kaiser and Giovanni Rinzi and uh, they're talking about their match uh, about the uh, the 34th street fight match against uh, Braun Strowman and Ricochet basically it's saying that uh, Braun Strowman is a strong man and Ricochet is the acrobat and uh, they got no business in the ring and they're going to uh, show that, uh, yeah, 
that they got no business in the ring. So next up, we got ourselves a massive, a massive match. It is uh, a gauntlet match for the number one contenders for the, of course, the women's title. Now, this is six women in it involved with this. Emma, Raquel Rodriguez, Tegan Knox, Liv Morgan, Sonia Deville, and Zaya Lee. Now, this match started with, uh, of course, it's... It is a gauntlet match, so you got to go through everybody to win. If you start off this match, you're in tough shape. So Emma with Zaylee. Now Emma, she's uh, she's just back. She's back, and she's uh, I guess she's doing some things backstage. So, but wrestling now. Emma versus Zaylee first match. This was a little over two minutes. A little over two minutes. I was very sadly disappointed with this match. It was so quick, you, before you can blink, it's, before you blink, it was over. Emma with a fast start. Zia Lee with the uh, massive uh, step-up uh, elbow to the head. Finishing off with the with the uh, spinning enziguri, the cyclone kick to the back of Emma's head. Like I say, very short match. Emma is put out. Zia Lee moves on to match number two. Match number two is against the returning, also the returning, Tegan Knox. Now, this match was also very disappointing for me because it was uh, like a minute and a half. It was short and upsetting. Tegan Knox starts off real quick. You know, uh, she uh, she gets a suplex to uh, Zaya. And then she, uh, to the corner. And then with a massive, she does a Santon. Massive crushes uh Zaya Lee to the corner. She climbs up to the top rope with a massive now. This was great. Tegan Knox with a massive high cross body off the top rope. It was really beautiful. Really beautiful. But it ended pretty much after that. She tried to go for a pin attempt. Zaya kicks out. She rolls outside of the ring to the ring apron where they both ensued and battle outside of the ring on the ring apron. Or not outside the ring on the apron apron, just out the rope outside the ropes. Where, of course, Zaya Lee starts uh with the massive, she kicks uh, Tegan Knox back, and apparently she backs up into the corner post. And that this is just this is not very good, not very good. Uh, she hits the back, and she ends up getting a flying knee to the head, and she rolls back into the ring, where she gets the cyclone kick to the back of the head, L like a minute and twenty seconds. This was, whew. I'd like to see more, but it did not. So now, next up, we've got Zaylee moving on. And she just worked uh, like four minutes, under four minutes already. Actually, yeah, under four minutes. So next up, we got ourselves uh, Zaylee versus Raquel Rodriguez. Now, this was like a six plus minute match. A little more respectful. It was all right. It was all right. Now, I got to say one thing. In the beginning of the match, now, Raquel Rodriguez, um, she had last week, she was attacked. Now, many weeks a row, in a row, she was attacked her arm. And they said it was a, she had a broken arm, dislocated elbow. And then they said a, she had a broken elbow. They have no idea what her injury is. But last week, it was uh, uh, Shayna Baszler and, and uh, what's that, uh, Rory, Ronda Rousey getting a, uh, Raquel Rodriguez again and just kicking a mud hole in her uh, arm once again. So this week, of course, uh, Raquel comes to the ring with fully bandaged arm and arm brace. 
so she's really selling. She's possibly got uh, a bad arm injury. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Zaili, Raquel, Rodriguez, they get take it outside really quickly. Zaili with a massive kick to uh, to test out uh, Raquel's arm. You know, Raquel's on all fours and uh, with a soccer kick, with a penalty kick, just tries to take out the uh, entire arm of uh, Raquel. You thought that would be it. That's it. If her arm's truly is injured, game over. But no, they took it back in the ring there and uh, they fought some more. Raquel took over easily. My goodness. With a wonderful fallaway slam. And then uh, with the corkscrew. Now, this is what uh, Michael Cole calls it. He calls it a corkscrew elbow. Now, if you look at it and uh, if your elbow was your spine, then yes, it would be. It would be an elbow, but it is truly is a corkscrew Santon. It is a uh, corkscrew Vader Santon. It's true. Michael Cole is calling it wrong. Now, it's probably supposed to be. It's meant to be an elbow, but it is a Santon. Hands down. I'm not budging on this one, Michael Cole. You're terrible. Okay. Now, in the end, after that Santon, Zia Lee gets a second win. She gets a, a, her final hurrah. Trying to get her final, uh, you know, uh, offense in. She climbs up and she climbs up uh, Raquel and she drops that uh, elbow on top of the old uh, head. She figures she's got uh, Raquel finished. She hits the ropes and she tries to go again with the uh, the Hana bomb. No, with the cyclone kick. But instead, she misses. She gets picked up with the for the Tana bomb. That's right. I got a little ahead of myself. But so Raquel Rodriguez in over six minutes takes out Zaili with the Tahana Abamba. La Tahana Bamba. So now next up, we've got ourselves Raquel Rodriguez versus Liv Morgan. Now, I've been on Liv Morgan's ass quite a bit, but uh, truly, Liv Morgan looked fantastic in this match. She looked great. Um, she felt so comfortable at one point where she, uh, it was like a, a backpack, uh, naked choke, a rear naked backpack and, you know, rear naked choke with the backpack style. And then she takes that to the next level and she gives Raquel Rodriguez the noogie. That's right. A noogie. Oh, insult to injury. Hello. That was good. I think, uh, Liv should, uh, focus on that stuff when she's fighting just to like, have fun while you're fighting, you know? Make your opponent look like a fool. You know, show your dominance in the ring so that you can mess around in the ring and still look good doing it. And of course, there comes a point where even Liv Morgan decided to capitalize on that arm and she stomped that arm good. Now, here's the thing. That, uh, that arm brace, I'm not sure when it stopped working because it starts sliding down. It became 100 ineffective. That arm brace was in fact a prop. Raquel Rodriguez isn't really injured. It's just an excuse. It's an excuse. For some reason, maybe. What does it excuse? Her poor ability? I don't know. But anyway, this is great. Liv Morgan really tore it up inside that ring. Second rope, she off with a second rope shotgun drop or missile drop kick. She really threw herself at Raquel. It was very inspiring. It was really good to see, including the rings of Saturn. She gets... Uh, Raquel down, rings of Saturn. Now, this is what gets weird. With Ring of Saturn spot, Raquel's on the ground, Liv Morgan, re, re, uh, ringing it in, ringing in the Saturns. You know, Raquel ends up standing up on her feet. Um, she twists 
Liv Morgan around. She spins her out of the rings of Saturn on her back. Now she's on the crucifix. She's sitting on a crucifix style. She spins her out of this crucifix. But here's a, I'm not sure what was supposed to be next. What was supposed to happen next? Um, Raquel ends up spinning Liv Morgan out of the crucifix and then catching her on front, like catching her baby, like a little holding her like a bebe. And then unexpectedly, Raquel dropped down like she's getting stunnered. So she gets uh, the old, uh, what's that? Uh, you know, uh, the code breaker. She lands in the code breaker. It was, uh, I don't know, it was interesting. But eventually, it was a wonderful thing. Um, it was uh, Liv Morgan getting picked up by, what's that, uh, Raquel? Liv Morgan executing a wonderful, what's that, uh, a crucifix uh, driver. And then with the crucifix pin style, tries to get, uh, what's that, uh, Raquel Rodriguez, not happening. Now, the end sequence was hilarious. I couldn't believe it. Something happened. I think Raquel was completely out of gas, was gassed, was completely gassed here. Now, Liv Morgan, after that uh, crucifix bomb at, and pin attempt, she goes for her oblivion. Um, Raquel leans against the ropes. Raquel jumps up with the, uh, sits on the ropes and tries to get, uh, knock Raquel backwards or on her face. But here's the thing. Raquel was supposed to do, I guess, supposed to execute a Tahana bomb, but she couldn't do it. She, she dropped uh, Liv Morgan on the ground. They had this little other section there before, you know, uh, what's that? Raquel tries to get uh, Liv Morgan onto uh, a powerbomb. It's the most awkward powerbomb because Liv Morgan really tried to pull herself up, just pulling on uh, Raquel's head. as she's It's very sexy looking, my God. Um, just eat my ass, Raquel. It was weird. Anyways, Liv Morgan ends up pulling herself up and she popped herself over top of uh, Raquel. And then she kicks Raquel over to the ropes again. She gets to the other side of the ropes. And this time she goes for another second attempt for the Oblivion. Um, Raquel picks up Liv Morgan like a bebe again. And then dropping her um, back driver, backdrop driver style. And that's it, a backdrop driver. No Tahana bomb. Backdrop driver. And it was over. Back, 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 back. Backdrop driver. And uh, Raquel wins again. Wow. Wow. Did not like the ending there. Um, but however, Liv Morgan losing that match, she looked good while she was wrestling. She looked just, she looked really good. i uh, never seen a Liv Morgan like that. I want to see more of that, please. Now, next up, we, and that, that match was uh, Liv Morgan versus Ra Raquel Rodriguez. It was uh, like 10 and a half minutes. It was very respectable. Very respectable now. It was a very good match. This was probably Raquel Liv Morgan match the night. <laughs> Hands down. So now it's Raquel Rodriguez versus Sonia Deville. Now Sonia got out of like a bat of bat out of uh, hell. She came out like a, a burning barn, barn burning fire. She came out and she tried to take out the arm of uh, Raquel. Raquel still that little arm brace just hanging on, barely hanging on. It's doing nothing. It's been doing nothing for a long time. So Raquel picks up, but she's throwing around Sonya Deville like she's nothing. It was hilarious. Now, the end sequence is this. Ends up, Sonya gets, uh, she's on the second rope. 
And she manages to get uh, Raquel there, and she's pulling on the arm like an inside armbar. You know, and she's pulling up, and the referee's like, one, two, let go, and she pulls up again, and uh, it was, uh, and then ended up the third time, the charm, right? We're going to the well once too often. Raquel ends up picking up Sonia Deville on her shoulder. So she's sitting on one shoulder, holding onto her arm. And then with the oddest maneuver, um, Raquel dumps Sonia off her shoulders, just dumps her off. And that's considered a finishing move these days. And she goes for a pin and that's it. One, two, three, under three minutes, it's done. And you would think it's over. You would think it's over. It is Raquel has gone through five opponents and move on to number one contender, right? Wrong. Apparently, R- um, Ronda Rousey, she's got uh, the ability to change matches on a whim, which is absolutely absurd. So now Raquel is not done. She's got a sixth opponent to fight. The sixth member, the seventh member of the match who's finally announced now. It is... Ronda Rousey's best friend, Shayna Baszler. And like, oh my, oh my, Shayna Baszler. She's turning a new leaf. She's supposed to be the most dangerous woman now, isn't she? Well, she comes in. They start to, uh, wobbling each other in the face. Shayna Baszler gets uh, Raquel down on the ground and she yanks off that um, prop of a uh, arm brace off. And she does a couple of stomps onto uh, Raquel's arm. And she turns around and she throws up the uh, prop like a trophy. Like, yay! Yay me! And she's looking like Natalia Bret Hart in that ring, like an idiot. And this is where, um, with uh, Raquel Rodriguez, goes from behind, and uh, with the schoolgirl, rolls her up, and Shayna Baszler looks like an idiot, because this match was 40 seconds. You roll up over Raquel versus Ronda Rousey. And will there be a new champion? Will Raquel Rodriguez be the women's champion? Whew. I don't know. I don't know. Will she be better at champion than uh, uh, with a Ronda Rousey? Maybe. Anyways, that's a bleak look at the uh, SmackDown women's division. Now moving on to, uh, I guess, uh, what's going on here? Bray Wyatt with a massive a three-minute intro from him getting introduced to Kim walking to the ring without saying anything. It took him three minutes. Who does he think he is? Roman Reigns? Cody Rhodes? Roman, I mean, Bray Wyatt hasn't had a wrestling match in literal years. Years. It's been years since Bray Wyatt's in the ring fought a match, and yet he's taking his sweet-ass time. And he's talking about, uh, yes, uh, of course, it's uh, L.A. Knight being attacked. And last week, it's showing that uh, apparently his name is Uncle Howdy. Howdy! That's right. Uncle Howdy is the one who's been attacking um, L.A. Knight all this time. And everybody's been blaming Bray Wyatt for it. Now, last week, of course, Bray Wyatt was in the ring with L.A. Knight. And then Howdy, Uncle Howdy showed up. But here's the thing. Uncle Howdy could be anybody, like I said. He's completely covered up, 100% covered up. Now, no one says Bray Wyatt, like I still believe Bray Wyatt's still dressed up as, you don't know. You've never really seen any attacked. There's no attack. I mean, if you just, if you, if you see what you see, if you believe what you see, 
there was no attack that happened. It just so happened that uh, you see L.A. Knight standing there, and next you know, you see L.A. Knight under a pile of rubbish, you know, acting hurt. So there was no real attacks anytime. So if there were attack, if there were attacks, it could easily have been Bray Wyatt doing it, because uh, when he, like I say, anybody could have been Uncle uh, Uncle Howdy. So it's hilarious. He's talking about uh, who is Bray Wyatt in the ring there. He doesn't know who the real him is. Anyways, he does feel that LA Knight um, opposed him apology. And this storyline continues. And when will they actually fight? Who knows? Couldn't be for months. But this segment ends kind of weird. Bray Wyatt ends up attacking the cameraman. That's right, the cameraman. Gives him the mandible claw. Mm-hmm. That's right. Bray Wyatt attacks a cameraman. What a real stud. And Adam Pierce comes in the ring there and uh, slides him out, and he's very upset over the whole situation. Okay, now here we go. Speaking of upset with situations, oh, this is a tough one. This is a tough pill to swallow, listener. This is a match between representing Los Lotharios, Angel with uh, Humberto on the side. No, these guys are truly our Lucha House Party. They are Lucha House Party. It's funny that Humberto is geared up. He's ready to fight. He's not fighting. He hasn't fought for years. <laughs> well, he hasn't fought in a long time. You know, he's uh, just been uh, just training other wrestlers to take his spot. So on paper, on paper, Angel versus Rey Mysterio is a banger. Is a banger. Angel, probably one of the greatest ever. Um, he's one of the great talents. Uh, NXT, he was unstoppable. Now, whew, Angel Garza, shame. Because I know one thing for sure. What's going to happen in this match? Rey Mysterio, it's his uh, year-ending match. He's going to look good. He's had a bad, he's got a rough year. Rey Mysterio had a rough year. He wants to end with a banger. He wants to end on top, and he will. That's what gets me with this match. You know who's going to win. No matter how much you want to try and enjoy this match, it does not, you know it's not going to be good. Now, it shows you right here. While in this match, it is all about one thing. It's about uh, Rey Mysterio building up his character against uh, Karrion Cross. Karrion Cross has uh, he looking he's looking to uh, retire Rey Mysterio, and this is probably going to happen. I think uh, Dominic should be the one to do it. But uh, Karrion Cross is looking to, you know, retire Rey Mysterio. He says, "You're past your prime. It's time to go." And uh, basically, Angel Garza last week said the same thing. This made the match this week. So this is Rey Mysterio. He's gonna he can't lose this match. Before the uh, Karrion Cross match, it is not done. So watching in the crowd is Karrion Cross and Scarlet, and of course, we got to know they're there. They got a couple of spotlights right on them. Now, I believe Angel had two, two moments in the match, two moments, and they were pretty sad moments. The first one was a show of disrespect by going on his hands, going on his knees, so he's more Rey Mysterio's height and shaking his hands. Hey, let's have a clean match. Rey Mysterio was very uh, disrespected. He did shake his hand and then slap him in the face. But he did shake his hand, though. It's hilarious. So Angel Gar Angel's next big move is uh, he, he's got uh, tearaways he wears to the ring. He, he it's, uh, doubles his wrestling trunks because he starts with these trunks on. He tears them away, revealing a smaller set of trunks. His patented move. His patented move. And that's his next biggest move because... Uh, 
It was ridiculous. Now, it was, uh, Rey Mysterio was fighting both of them. Now, Humberto did try his best. Now, Angel was about to get 619. Um, Humberto slides him out of the ring, saving his life. But for what? He gets high crossed by uh, the littlest guy in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Not Katana Chance. No, no, no. Rey Mysterio, they're about the same size, I think. So now here's the end sequence which hilarious. was hilariously bad. It's Angel Garza. Angel, she's getting, uh, what's that, uh, Rey Mysterio. He's pushing him to the ropes. He wants to get a 619 on Rey Mysterio. He pushes him there and he walks backwards. He gets the ref's attention. The ref turns around. He hears his back to Rey Mysterio. This is where Humberto has the most weakest slap. He punches Rey Mysterio in the head. Punch! It's so weak, in fact, that uh, I guess... Uh, Angel thought it was strong enough. He started, uh, I'm going to go for the 619 now. People, y'all. And he goes for 619. Rey Mysterio gets up and meets him with the Hurricanrana. Throws down Angel onto the ropes. Follows up with the 619. And then he's outside of the ring. And then his new move, it's a springboard a DDT. A springboard a DDT. He's watched uh, too much Johnny Gargano. He's like, you know what? That looks much better than my... It's Frog Splash. I'm going to change mine up. Thank you, Johnny Gargano. I'm going to steal another thing. So, yeah. Rey Mysterio steals Johnny Gargano's finishing move. What a scumbag. So, yeah. This match ended in four minutes. It was sad. Although, one bright side of this match. One bright side. This was longer than the average commercial break. How about that? Now, here we go. We got ourselves uh, um, some Braun Strowman and Ricochet backstage talking about uh, how, uh, you know what, how they're being disrespected by Imperium. And it's time that, uh, you know, they call us bad things and it's time to, uh, you know, put you in your place, so to speak. And they're looking forward to their match coming up next. But as for now, we go backstage. We have a confrontation. Emma confronts uh, Scarlet and Karen Cross. She says stuff like, uh, Who the hell do you think you are? Disrespecting a legend like Rey Mysterio and calling Riddick. Calling Riddick. Oh my goodness. No longer. No longer Madcap Moss. Dropping Madcap and Moss altogether. Bringing back his first name. I like it. I do like it. Uh, I never liked Madcap Moss. It sounded dumb. Riddick sounds good. Sounds like uh, sounds like uh, you know uh, that guy Riddick. I'm Riddick. That movie, you know, uh, Vin Diesel. Yeah, that's it. Anyways, and uh, Scarlett's like, no, I uh, I actually called him a Joker. And then, wow, Emma, after losing so embarrassingly, she has a lot of balls. She's got the big balls. She with the, she hauls back and then with a very impressive a slap heard around the world. It echoed throughout the, the hallways. It was crazy. She slapped Scarlet in the face real hard. Slapping the taste out of Scarlet's mouth. Scarlet, however, keeps her cool. She almost enjoys it. Almost looks like she enjoyed it. But it's uh no no fight happened. Karen Cross like, yeah, you made a big mistake. Okay, so this should be interesting. I've never seen um, Scarlet in the ring. Now, will this be a match? Maybe. I can see it probably being a match. Um, 
where is uh, Scarlett's abilities in that ring? You know, she took that slap like a champ. You know, that looked great. But uh, yeah, we're going to see. Emma, great competitor. She did not show up today. It was a lousy show up today. But Emma can put on a great match. And we're going to see if this happens at all. If it does happen, I'm looking forward to it. It could be a disaster, though. And speaking of dis possible disasters, we got ourselves a, a Lacey Evans vignette. She's putting in the work in basic training, putting in hard work. It's almost like, uh, I don't know, Eva Marie. When she's doing her vignette, showing all the hard work she's doing, doing double duty, being a role model, and then showing up, and then uh, what happened? Would this be another thing? This is the same thing as Lacey Evans. She shows doing her hard work, and when she shows up there, she does nothing. And then she's out again, doing more vignettes of showing her doing hard work. Is she just going to come back and go, me, 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 me. I'm Lacey Evans, me, me. Okay. Next up, we got ourselves our big, big uh, main event match. It's a main event, that's about it. It is a Miracle on 34th Street Fight match. A Miracle on 34th Street Fight main event. This match is... Uh, Wait for the ricochet. Ricochet. With his partner, Braun Strowman versus Imperium's Giovanni Vinci and Ludwig Kaiser. And of course, we all know that uh, Gunther is taking the time off, spending some valuable Christmas time with his beautiful wife. Somewhere in Germany. I don't know where he is. Anyways, he's not there. So what does this match mean? What does match What does this match mean? It means it's going to be a very. It's going to be mean a lot of Christmas fun. You're going to have a, a fun time for the for the main event. That's what it's going to be. That's what it's going to be. Uh, will it be a Christmas miracle as well? Well, we'll find out. Well, we'll find out. Uh, one thing we know for sure that uh, looks like Ricochet and Braun Strowman have a tandem move. A tandem move. That's right. It is a. Uh, an assisted missile dropkick. That's for gaining extra height by with the assisting of Braun Strowman. Well, anyways, this match ends up going outside of the ring. Ricochet uh, getting smashed to pieces with a uh, candy cane colored kendo stick. Braun Strowman, he tries to help out, but it's uh, Ludwig Kaiser with a chair smashing it on Braun Strowman's back. And then it is, uh, he... Ludwig Kaiser takes that same chair, goes over to uh, Ricochet. Ricochet is being held back by uh, Giovanni Vinci, and he gets smashed with that chair some more times. He's put out. And of course, uh, Braun Strowman comes back with a fistful of anger, punching the chair right on Ludwig, Kaiser, uh, Ludwig Kaiser's face. They end up fighting. They, Braun Strowman takes the fight right to the ramp, right to the uh, entrance area. That's right. And he throws people through. I mean, it's fun. And he picks up both uh, Ludwig Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci. Kaiser goes for the eyes. Giovanni, somewhere in that match, he ended up uh, uh, gashing his eye open, his uh, eyebrow, just gashing blood, gushing blood. We've made it good. Now, here we go. The, the shenanigans happening on the ramp. You got yourself Christmas trees and presents all around. Now they dump uh, Braun Strowman down uh, on the Christmas tree and they dump a Christmas tree, Christmas tree on him and they go to a, they look around, they're having some fun now. Like, oh, what's this present there? They see a gigantic present. They open up the present and this girl, this 
dances dancing out there. I'm sure that's uh, you know uh, what's uh, anyways. She kind of dancing out there and means nothing, you know. Could that be uh, what's that Gunther's wife? I don't know. I don't know. So she dances out, and there's another box out there, and they open up the other box, and it's the new day, dressed up as uh, Nutcracker nerds, a bunch of nerds, like Nutcrackers, pretending they're like wind-up toys. So these two nerds, they walk out of the uh, the box. Wait, me, me, me. We're wind-up toys. We're wind-up toys. And they're all like, yeah, okay. like, hey, new day's here too. Yay! This is a, a Christmas for everybody. So here's the thing. Ludwig Kaiser and uh, Giovanni's like, hey, what's going on here? I think these dolls are broken. They're not working properly. And then, of course, it's uh, Xavier Woods uh, kicks uh, uh, Ludwig Kaiser directly in the nuts. While uh, Giovanni's looking on, he's like, hey, I think, you, I think uh, my friend just got kicked in the nuts. And then he stands there, preparing himself for his nut shot. And then it's Kofi kicks and kicks uh, Giovanni, uh, Giovanni Vinci in the nuts. Puck! Ooh! And they both hobble to the ring. That's right. And I guess the thing is, they are truly are nutcrackers. <laughs> so this is where Braun Strowman gets up. And he goes like the Braun Strain, the Braun Express. Toot, toot! He charges everybody. He starts crushing everybody. You know, he lays everybody out. Not only have they got kicked in the nuts, but he gets they get run over two times each. He finds Ricochet. He's down on the ground like, oh, oh, that was chair shots. I can't, I can't go on. Oh, it's tough stuff. And then the Christmas miracle, folks. Christmas miracle listener. Braun Strowman grabs Ricochet, grabs some mistletoe, and makes out with Ricochet like a son of a bitch. No, no, he doesn't. He gets a mistletoe and he gets Samantha Irving, his real-life girlfriend of uh, Ricochet, and they kiss. And the power of love, it's the power of love. Ricochet gets second wind and he goes nuts in the ring. That's right. They were flopping everywhere with his high-flying moves with a massive high crossbody on Giovanni Vinci. And then he goes up with a massive lion salt on Giovanni Vinci. Ludwig Kaiser on a, on the apron outside the ring. He's like concerned. He jumps on top of uh, Braun Strowman. Braun grabs him like, and then he power bombs Ludwig Kaiser through a table. Whammo! Merry Christmas, everybody! Inside the ring, it's uh, Ricochet catches uh, what's that? The Giovanni Vinci with the recoil. Whammo! Braun Strowman picks him up for the power slam PAMO and then the circus act the strong man and of course the uh, the acrobat at work um, Ricochet stands on Braun Strowman's shoulders and then with the move you wouldn't believe he does a, the typical Rey Mysterio splash he falls off he drops off the shoulders and on to Giovanni into Giovanni Vinci one, two, three, nine minutes and ten seconds, baby. It's over. And, of course, Ricochet and Braun Strowman with the big victory. How about that? How about that? It's funny how, uh, what's that, the Imperium like to fight, uh, keep integrity in the integrity of wrestling. But yet, they're throwing tables, they're throwing chairs like no one's business. Hmm. 
Regardless, that match was a bunch of nonsense. It was a bunch of Christmas fun. But however, next week, next week, listener, is going to be big. We're going to have Sheamus versus the enforcer of the bloodline, Solo Sokoa. That's right. He's going to be there. They're going to, they're going to have a banger of the match. No doubt. It's going to be a good. Also, this might be, this may go anywhere. This may not be. This may, this should be okay. Anyways, regardless, it's going to be a women's championship match. Ronda Rousey versus Raquel Rodriguez. Now, can Raquel Rodriguez make it to SmackDown without injuring her arm? But regardless, that's going to be next week. And last but not least, this is going to be a big one. Like I say, two wrestlers we barely see making a rare, rare occasion, rare, um, you know, appearance. We're going to have representing the bloodline, Sami Zayn, and with a rare occasion, rare uh, appearance, is the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. Versus Kevin Owens and even a more rare appearance by John Cena. Do, 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 do. Next week, I see John Cena and Kevin Owens with the victory. I can also see uh, John Cena doing really well, but letting Kevin Owens get the victory over Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. I'm calling that. Now, anyways, that does wrap it up for another week of SmackDown. And also concludes this podcast of a wrestling show. If you have stuck around for the very end of the show, know I hold a very special place in my heart just for you. Now, join us next week for an all-new episode of The Wrestling Show, listener. Now, always remember, have an absolute joyful Christmas. And also know, you matter. The wrestling show.